This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we learned that Chuckless of Aki is filled with a lot of horny dudes as we watch spines 144 and 145 in the Criterion mm-hmm. Collection, Milos Forman's Loves of a Blonde from 1965, and The Fireman's Ball from 1967. But first, mm-hmm. RJ, mm-hmm. how are you? How are you, how are Ooh, you de- me? How are you dealing with this this wind that uh, Creepsville has been under mm. for weeks now? You know, you say it like wind, like it's a normal wind, but it's not. I, I'm going to lay it out there for uh, fans of the show here. Creepsville is probably the windiest city in Canada. Uh, I went to that Chicago, that supposed windy city. Yeah, and I said, it, allegedly, I said, you know what? This is horseshit. We have like eight times as wind every five minutes in Lethbridge or Creepsville, as you will. Uh, we're way windier and the wind here sucks all the time to the point where uh, we actually have a pretty big like uh, like a big group of people who have uh, like these headaches, these migraines. And it's all about like barometric pressure related to the wind. And it doesn't happen in very many places because I can't remember what it is. It's either like super low barometric pressure or super high barometric pressure because of the wind. And it, uh, Lethbridge is like second in the world, only to some place in like Norway or something like that. Is that accurately true? I have no idea. <laughs> People like but to I say a lot been, of things. I, hear. I have been saying that for years and years and years. So I, I hope it's true because I've I've been telling people that. But uh, yeah, wind here is crazy and uh, I hate it. So, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, living in the new house, it's like mm. actually right by, uh, what we call the coolie edge, uh, which means that, uh, our house gets hammered with wind. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when it starts howling, it, it, it actually sounds like there's like a tidal wave coming at you and you're like, nice. is that the wind coming? And sure enough, it just like slams. And then it's just like mm-hmm. a constant, like just howling. You get used to it. Like all things. You- you get used to it. Like our old place had a, a deck door out of our master bedroom and uh, the wind, it would just hit the crack in that door just right. And it'd be like, <laughs> like all night. And you're just like, oh, but uh, I think you probably lost some people on the coolies. People mm-hmm. don't know what coolies are in other places, but you can Google it they're, and look it up if yeah. you're interested. Yeah, they're they're hills, but they're hills they're right, right by rivers and they're, but yeah. they're and they're flat. Oh, are you talking about those flat hills? Yeah, they're flat. Are you talking about those jumbo shrimp? Those oxymorons? Yeah. Oh. Uh, what's up? What's going on with you? Uh, not much. I'm going to be uh, DMing some D&D this weekend. I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. I haven't done it in like 10 years. It's going to be it's going to be a gas, RJ, and you're not invited. I didn't want to be, uh, but how many people are in your uh, your tribe? Uh, there's going to be five players, and then, mm. my, and then myself. Who's going to be the cleric? I don't know. There, there is no cleric at the beginning. Is your first session a character build? Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, it's actually not D and D proper. It's uh, another game called Dungeon Crawl Classics. And in the, okay, you're... in the, in the no. first session, RJ, everyone no. plays level zero characters, which means that they're like cheese makers and candle makers and grave diggers and they're just guys and they have to go do things and everyone gets three or four characters and they all die horribly and whoever comes out on the other end are your characters 
I don't like anything that you're talking about. You're so jealous. You're, you you're a big time nerd. You want to play so bad, but you can't. When do you play? Sunday night, buddy. I'm too busy. I see. Yeah, yeah. I not allowed uh, I out of the house. Got to clean. So, like, uh, I do clean on Sundays, and yeah. we get groceries, and we cook for the week. But uh, I've yeah. had this talk with Andrea before, and I, I don't want to sound like a huge dink, <laughs> but like I have like too many friends where it's like we should hang out this day and that day, and then I get really busy, and then I don't hang out with her, and then. It's like, well, what are we doing here, you know? It's like, should I hang out with her? Should I hang out with all these fabulous friends? And then I go skydiving with celebrities and, you know, just hanging out with movie stars. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty tough life being busy. Yep. The world but, uh, is your oyster. Not on Sunday, though. No. That's when Sunday, you just... Sunday we do chores, yep. Jared. You got to clean that toilet. Oof. It, it needs to, like, Sundays when I do the deep clean, it needs to be cleaned daily. Yeah. Because of things that happen. But, uh, yeah, do some chores, you know. Uh, do some shopping. Do some cooking. Yeah. I watch the, all these Criterion movies that you force me to watch. Mm-hmm. Usually on Sundays. Not always. Usually. Usually. I didn't watch these weeks or this week's at all. So, whatever. But uh, uh, what is this thing we do? Is this a podcast? Yeah. And uh, on this okay. podcast, RJ, we get emails sometimes. How many do we get? Is it a full mailbag? Oh, no. It's half there. Half there. Half we got, there? We got, we got two. Ooh. We got one from uh, Oliver. Oh, haven't heard from him for a while. Yeah. Uh, and he writes about uh, about two women and writes, I'm on RJ's side. I had no <gasps> idea until I looked up a review of the film, That Obscure Object of Desire, for people who I would be ridiculous, but who didn't listen to last week's episode where mm-hmm. RJ did not realize that uh, there was two different actresses playing the same character in the movie we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver continues, I remember thinking, man, she isn't as hot as I remember each scene. Then the next scene, I was like, oh, no, damn, she is hot. So, yeah. I <laughs> am completely vindicated. No, I am in the right. No, no. Uh, all all it needed was one other person. If if it happened to one other person, that means that it's a real thing, and I'm not just a complete something. You know, like I, I believe we did uh, get a response uh, also on YouTube. I believe in reference to this, saying that you're really next level, RJ. Next level. Uh, I so I actually I just came across this, and it says, "Oh, RJ." You are something special. <laughs> you are next level. In quotations. In quotations. Yeah. So uh, thank you to that person. And uh, you know what? You know what, Jared? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all of that. Because I didn't know. And it's like I said, I could have lied. I could have said that I had noticed at some point. But I don't care. It is what it is. Yeah. All right? So whatever. I'm, uh, I'm glad Oliver uh, has. See, he's an honest guy, too. He's yeah. a straight shooter. Straight shooter. He's a straight shooter. So whatever. Louis Bunwell messed with all of us. <laughs> he, He's a jerk. He played you all. Yeah. Done got fooled. Oh, yeah. That reminded me. We got a, a nice little uh, message on the Facebook from a, a, a Josh, a new Josh. New new Josh? Like N-E-W or N-U with the two dots over top? Uh, you decide. Okay. Uh, he just wrote, just wanted to say, found you guys about two weeks ago. Been listening every day. Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. I've been telling people I know to give it a listen. Why, thank you, Joshua. Ooh, Joshua. That'll be the, the, 
the define def- de- good job joshua thanks for emailing it or uh mailing the show uh always like new listeners you did it rj what country is he from i don't know are we expanding our global domination Looks like he is a vikings fan mm, so he's minnesota huh? no. maybe that's why he likes us because uh we sound like we're from the the movies <laughs> we sound uh midwestern yeah 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 and then uh, we got we got frank Ooh, big f no it looks like he's uh he's made his pledge he's living <laughs> up to his word mm, he pledges his tribute that's right is that a thing that people say still uh somewhere D at least sure Good day, good sirs. May the sun shine warmly on Creepsville this December. It's actually been Ooh. quite, it was quite sunny today. We haven't uh, had any snow very, very yeah, much. It's just been, well, that's one of the upsides with wind is it blows all the snow away. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys enjoyed my little story last week. I was undecided about sharing for a while, but I decided to trust you and anyone listening. I wish I had more stories to tell, but the most interesting thing that has happened to me since then is that I slept on a piece of pizza on the sidewalk. Nothing fancy. Okay, wait, wait, hold up. <laughs> That is an interesting story. I would love to hear more about that. Where did the pizza come from? Yeah. What kind How of did pizza? you not see it? What kind of pizza was it? Yeah. Also, did you eat it? <laughs> I mean, perfectly good pizza. Yeah. Uh, to address what RJ believed, I sent the emergency email about, yes, I caught you, buddy, saying Costa Rica has good baseball players. People mistake Costa Rica and Puerto Rico all the time, bro. I forgive you. I've heard worse. Like when I was asked what state of Mexico is Costa Rica in. Anyways, I had an idea, and I'd like to consult with you chaps and see what you think. Mm. Here it is. I'd like to make a theme song for Google School. I know Jared usually picks out a song for the occasion, and you have the Ugly Cry Club, but I think it'd be cool for Google School to have its own little jingle and lyrics, you know, something nice and disturbing. I'd like to offer to compose one. If the idea is rejected, well, that's okay, too. Uh, I'd be fine with that. Um, it's actually a pretty common practice for podcasts to do like open calls to listeners if they have the musical chops to mm-hmm. do that sort of thing. So I would not object to uh, offering something up. We'll give it a listen. We'll give it a spin. Uh, I have no say in this because Jared is the uh, the be all and end all of Creepsville. Um, yeah, I would be open to it too. Nice. That would, of course, mean that we would have to record a new ghoul school sometime. So we would have to find some sort of theme to fit in. Maybe French extremism set only in the countryside. Uh, we can just watch High Tension and uh, we can talk about why that's a bad movie. We'll do a whole ghoul school on it. Or how good it is until it isn't. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Oh, actually, we have a lot of ghoul school ideas. Remember that one, Jarrett? Do you oh, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a great one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, we could do it for that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. man, I'm I'm all about Trome, man. That's mm, oh, mm, I've never seen any Tromas. Well, that's the that'd be the perfect time to do it. Mm, I'm gonna May, I'm gonna research this while you keep talking. May 2019, baby. It's coming. What is May 2019? Trome. What is that? Oh, come on. We got to do a ghoul school before then. Uh, well, we don't have to. We don't, we don't have to do shit. But uh, that would mm-hmm. be my uh, that would be my thoughts. Now, uh, 
Frank continues, in reference mm-hmm. to the title, I finally found I've finally become a patron. The opportunity presented mm-hmm. itself and I seized it. It's too bad that Jarrett won't get the payment until January and RJ won't receive it at all. And hey, maybe I'll stay on the co-host patron for a little while. I like th- this upper class patron status. And also I've been eyeballing some future episodes I may like to co-host as well. I'll fill you guys in on which ones uh, once we do the first. Sounds like a plan. Uh, that's it for today. Mm-hmm. Keep it creeping. Yeah, uh, no, hey, uh, when that when those big bucks roll in, RJ, RJ will get a cut. <gasps> what? That's I've right. never received any compensation this for true, this. Because all the money's going to, you know, host, hosting, hosting and uh, SoundCloud hosting, all that stuff. But we're coming up on that day, buddy. You're, you're, mm. you're, 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 you're going to get a little bit of taste. <laughs> we're finally going to break even. After two years of uh, podcasting, we'll yeah. finally hit it, maybe. Uh, after those podcast sweats. Yeah, and then, well, you just maintain even for a while, and then uh, it's all worth it. That's but right. we don't do it for the money. We never did. We no, never got any money. God, what a waste of time this would have been. <laughs> That's true. It's true. But, uh, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad that they're thinking about me. And, uh, you know, maybe just give me all the money. You spend out of pocket. Give me that money. Give me other money on top of that. And uh, I'll watch way more movies to talk about on the show. If you basically pay for me to live, I could watch like 100 movies a day. Whoa. Like maybe even 100. Whoa. And then we could talk about them on the podcast. Whoa. You ever been there? To the podcast? Yeah, I don't know what I was going for on that one. I don't know. No, no. Well, again, thanks, folks, for your emails and feedback. It's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Hey, RJ. What's up? What you been creeping on? Well, J Dog. Is that how people say your name sometimes? Uh, dog. Maybe our like non-existent Brooklyn fans. Hey, dog. Okay, I'm done. Uh, anyways, uh, I finished my Harry uh, Harry Potter uh, rewatches. So I'll just talk about them very briefly, because I know uh, Chanel is also. Has she finished? No, I believe uh, probably Half Blood Prince might be on at this very moment. Ooh, that's a good one, actually. I'll get there. That's a good one. Uh, so I forgot to mention. Uh, I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, I was talking about how Prisoner of Azkaban was probably one of the best ones. Uh, I forgot to mention that it has the absolute worst final frame of any harry potter in the world where it's him on his fireball broomstick and he flies to the screen and it freeze frames but then it goes on for another two seconds and his face is like streaked across the screen it's horrible it's (laughs) disgusting and i hate it anyways and you can watch alfonso Cuaron's new movie roma soon i think on netflix i guess making big waves they say that's what people say but we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about what people think are good Mm -hmm. things and what are bad things i remember didn't he do that movie gravity yep i never watched that but i assume it's bad uh there's nothing i mean if you didn't see it in theater i really don't know why you'd that's a fine movie. It's not a thing great though. Mm. It was a. It's a. It's a. It's a roller coaster ride. Mm. But it's not a real movie. Yeah, real movies. Mm. You know what's a real movie? Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire. Uh, Goblet of Fire rules. This is easily one of the funnest of the Harry Potters. Just that Tri Wizard Tournament, all that shit. This is like you said, where shit gets real dark. Uh, the only real problems I have with goblet of fire is uh you get the death eaters in this one which is the voldemort followers and they look ridiculous in this one they have like 
four foot tall hooded cloaks and these stupid masks. And I'm so happy that they abandoned that later on, but they just look ridiculous. Uh, everything else is like pretty good in this. Uh, one thing that I always thought was hilarious is when you go back to a memory and it's an interrogation scene and the guy's giving up names and he's like, I got someone no one knows about. And they're like, Oh yeah, who is it? And he's like, Barty crouch. And everyone's like, Oh yeah, good one. And then he's like, junior. And he says it like that. And I don't know why he says it like that. It always bothered me, but it's hilarious and you should check it out. And then David Tennant did some weird decision to like lick his lips like every five seconds. And it's like, that's it's very bizarre. I can't remember if it's in the books. I read it a long time ago. Anyways, you want to hear about the best Harry Potter movie? No. Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can confirm now Order of the Phoenix is the best. It is better than Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, everything is good in this movie. I love all of it. Uh, I like all the Aquamancy with Big Snape. All those real personal moments. It's got some real deep emotional cuts Jarrett. you get all the serious black you get harry he's sad he's mad it's awesome it's got a stinger of an ending you're just like ooh, baby hit me in the heart uh the only thing bad about harry potter and the order of the phoenix Jarrett. so the movie's awesome where you see like image harry like gets images of Voldemort the whole movie and it's like ooh, that's spooky he's in his head spooky stuff baby uh the only thing that's bad about this movie is there is uh, one moment when like Voldemort's trying to take over harry and for some reason they cut to like windows 95 background where it's like skies and clouds and it's Voldemort, and he's just standing in the cloud and he's like gah he's like <laughs> and he's like moving his wand he's like oh bah he's like making all these sounds and it looks fucking ridiculous like i don't know so mu- everything in this movie is good until that one, like those two scenes that cut to that. Cause it'll be Harry talking and he'll be like, he'll be like, cause he's taken over. He's like, you can't win old man. And then it cuts to this floating sky and Voldemort's like, bah! and then it cuts back. And it's just like, who thought that was a good idea? Like who watched that and was like, Oh yeah, this really fits with uh, these <laughs> movies. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, uh, order of the Phoenix is amazing. That opening is the best. That's where the Dementors look the best, which is a gripe I have for these movies where they kept changing the way the Dementors looked. And I don't know why. They look the best in Order of the Phoenix. They're like kind of bandaged up. They look the worst in the last two. And when they have these like gigantic ripped cloaks, it just, I don't, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Anyways, moving on. We're going to blow through these bad boys. Half-Blood Prince. I think Half-Blood Prince is would be the best if not for all this like after the fact romance shit that jk rowling shoehorned into this stuff where it's all about like ooh ron and hermione (laughs) and then it's like oh harry's gonna end up with Ginny, and it's like what where did that fucking come from like no one nobody cares we were watching these and andrea's seen them before but it's been a couple years she's like why is Ginny here all of a sudden i was like well harry uh jk rowling like she thought it would be too obvious for Harry to end up with Hermione, so you put her with Ginny. And Andrea's like, yeah, but that's fucking horseshit because Ginny sucks. Ron sucks. And it's like, why would Hermione end up with either of them? Andrea's fan 
fiction is that uh, Hermione would marry a muggle uh, because it makes sense for her characters. Harry would marry Luna Lovegood because she's super helpful in every movie she's in and they have a big connection. And Ron and Ginny can go fuck themselves because who gives a shit about them? They suck. So anyways, Half-Blood Prince is awesome, but uh, you have that like every five minutes. It's either Harry and Ginny in an awkward like pseudo-sexual scene or it's Ron and Hermione and it's just like, why does Hermione like Ron? This guy is a gigantic fucking prick. He's always mean to her and he's super gross. Isn't that the uh, old treat her mean, keep her keen? Yeah, which I get. (laughs) But Ron's also super gross. He's a horrible person. Because he's a ginger? He just looks weird. Like uh, other people have red hair in this and like they're fine. It's just Ron. He's like all the other Weasleys except for Ron and Ginny are fine. I like uh, Fred and George. They're cool dudes. I don't know. Anyways, that's it. Deathly Hollows 1. Uh, this is the one people hate is Deathly Hollows 1. Yeah, because it's padded out. It's padded out. Uh, I actually kind of like it because um, it's like this man on the run vibe where uh, it's like, just like that- an Alfred Hitchcock film. Yeah, exactly. It's just like rope, man. Uh, it's Ron, <laughs> Harry, and Hermione, and they're just kind of like moving through the woods. Well, did you like that no, one? I'm just, no, I'm just laughing over just like uh, Jimmy Stewart going, oh, yeah, we got to kill Harry. <laughs> we got we to gotta find Harry Potter. He's the chosen one. And um, so we can strangle him. We got to get just, away. Just to show our intellectual superiority. Oh, and then he's like, his lips are quivering. Man, that, that, that Jimmy Stewart guy, man, who'd watch a movie with him in it? He sucks. I hate Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> well, Secret Window is uh, pretty cool, but other than that, he sucks. Is that Jimmy Stewart? What? <laughs> Which one is in uh, Secret Window? With Johnny Depp? <laughs> oh, uh, what's the Hitchcock one? Rear Window. Correct. Is that That's got Jimmy Stewart, right? Correct. That's the only good Jimmy Stewart movie. Shut up, Jarrett. Nobody knows that there's two actresses in that obscure object of desire. I am a cool dude. I know what movies are. Next level. Next level. Deathly Hall is one. Uh, it's w- after some time. It's actually, I remembered like uh, not liking it, but it's actually not that bad. Uh, I don't think it's too drawn out. There's a couple moments where like, yeah, that couldn't have, or that shouldn't have happened, but it's all stuff that was in the book. So it's like, I, I get it mostly. Um, I think parts of it is actually parts of it are really good. Uh, a few things, but um, this is the one where you really notice that Ron is a huge piece of shit, and you're just like, "Fuck Ron Weasley, that guy sucks so so bad." Uh, I did have someone, a uh, fan of the show, Sam Sanchez, uh, comment about the weird CGI naked makeout hallucination. That oh, is yeah, I saw that. super weird. The thing the what's weird about it is that they like smoothed out their faces and they're like real white and uh, shiny. And it's like, Ugh. like it's uncanny Valley type of uh, CGI. And it's like, that's kind of off putting, but again, that's kind of constant in all these movies, like CGI floating sky Voldemort and uh, last shot of prisoner of Azkaban. But yeah, deathly all is one isn't bad. Uh, it's not, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. There's some, Stuff that's not great, but whatever. Deathly Hallows 2. This one is pretty good. Um, I feel like all of these guys' problems would have been solved if wizards just carried guns. 
because uh, every scene in this movie, it's like if they had a gun, they could kill all of these guys without all these spells and shit. It would be way easier. Is this message brought to you by the NRA? It would be so much easier. Uh, Deadly Dolls 2 is good. There's there's a couple of ridiculous parts in it. Like there's one part where uh, Harry and Voldemort are on the side of a cliff and Harry's like, we're going to go out the way we came in together. And he puts his arms around his head and it looks like he's going to kiss him and they like fall off the cliff together or the ledge together. And you're like, that's pretty ridiculous. And then there's like, what? Okay. So my memory of that last Harry Potter movie was watching it in theater in 3d. And I remember this being like the darkest movie I'd ever seen in my life. Like we're like literally dark, literally like underlit dark. Like I'm like, I wasn't sure if it was like, just like my, the shades of the 3d glasses. And you're just like, where I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. It's so dark. <laughs> There was a movie I watched this year or last year, uh, and it might have even been with you, where it was like, we can't see what's going on this in this movie. It's too dark. That Whatever that movie was, that movie is darker. Um, at home, this one was fine. It does all, like, I don't know if that's just Blu-ray yeah. uh, transfer where they, like, kind of cleared it up a little bit. Uh, it does all take place at night, like, yeah. the majority of the movie. Um, but, no, it was fine at home here. Okay. Uh, yeah, Half-Blood Prince is cool or uh, not half-blood prince definitely Hell's too yeah it's for the most part it's good you get a lot of like satisfaction and there's a lot of they close a lot of loops here where it's like oh yeah that one comes to a resolution that comes to a resolution good good uh the only thing that i always hated in this is uh in the book um voldemort has the giants and then hogwarts have the giant spiders and they like fight each other and stuff and it's really downplayed in this where you see the giants and then you see the spiders and then nothing else happens. And it, it always bummed me out so bad because I was like, that was like the coolest thing I've ever read in a book. And all I wanted to see was giants and spiders fighting each other. And they didn't do it. And it's horseshit. Uh, Anyways, that's my Harry Potter run. Great movies. I'll never talk about them again on the podcast. Awesome. Awesome. I have uh, two more things for you, Jared. I'll be quick. Uh, one more movie, and then I just want to mention, uh, I was playing some Super Smash Brothers last week. Uh, the new Smash Brothers came out. How? What do you mean, how? How are you playing it? I have ways. What do my you mean? Boy, my boy Ham Meat oh. got the game, so I went over and played with him. Oh, uh, so you still don't have a Switch. No. Cause, oh, because you suck. You suck. You buy me a Switch. <laughs> Give me that Patreon money, and I'll go buy a Switch. <laughs> Yeah, so, folks, uh, help make RJ's Christmas dreams come true and buy him a Switch. That'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. I wouldn't talk about it that much because this is a movie podcast, but it would make me very happy. Yeah. I don't know if you realize this, RJ, but I, I think I've, I'm getting this feeling that like our uh, if we were trying to get advertisers, uh, we would get no one would want to advertise with us because our listeners are poor. Yeah, maybe even as poor as us. <laughs> it's true. But uh, you know Criterion's just like a day away from knocking on our door. Mm-hmm. We got to hit some real discount stuff. Like uh, let's let's get President's Choice on board here. Oh, I didn't even tell you my uh, one the best find of the weekend, where I uh, went to a secondhand store and found like a stack mm-hmm. of Criterion's. Oh, anything good? Ah, uh, a future creep, an immediate future creep, and uh, a couple of other odds and ends. Uh, one of those Eclipse collections, like Ooh, George cool. Bernard Shaw, two dollars. <laughs> for uh, an eclipse collection so that was nice uh what else uh my life is a dog uh modern times and richard the mm-hmm. third all for two dollars a piece on dvd but uh 
you know, still not rentals or anything. And I go, this is what happens when someone dies and then their movies get dispersed to the winds and it's like, Oh, two bucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, how do you know they died? Well, I mean, I I would have to die for my criteria to be parted from my hands. Not necessarily. Like when my plan kicks in, it'll be different. Involving the switch. Involving things like that. Anyways. Anyways. I'll be very brief. I was playing that Smash. It's super cool, man. It is a gigantic game. Uh, Sakurai, he can maybe rest for like one day where people can let him sleep. Because uh, all he ever heard, I think, forever was like, put this character in, put that character in. And uh, I think they did the best job they could have uh, where it actually feels like they are. So it's the campaign mode is actually pretty cool. You're like moving on a map and you fight the spirits where it's like the spirit of the character, but it's using the existing characters you can play as. So like, for example, if a character is like really small in the game they're in, there'll be the closest version in Smash and there will be like five versions of that, but like super small or super big. And then there's a lot of like features they'll have where it's like when you go into that level, you either have like increased damage or increased defense. And then there's like all these different barriers or like options that can contribute to whether you're going to be in it in an advantage or a disadvantage playing with these. And it's based on the characters from like a million games. Uh, so it's super cool. I just want to say that because I brought it up on the show before. I heard you roll that dice. Mm-hmm. Fans are not going to like that. I'm practicing for the weekend. That's the lamest shit I've ever heard. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so the only thing I can't report is. Oh, unbelievable. I'm going to do this to you then. I'm going to do that when you're talking. I'm just going to be like, I'll be like, go on. <laughs> just, let, just let you bat, bathe in it. Such a child. You're a child. <laughs> Playing so anyways, your video games. Video games are cool. Everyone thinks so. Everyone thinks that you suck because you don't play video games. But I didn't play as my boy King K. Rule or Simon Belmont yet because you have to unlock them. And this Aww. game is fucking gigantic. So uh, we played for a, a real long time and we, we didn't get it done. But hopefully next time. Okay. Anyways, want to hear about a, a, an amazing movie? Yes. So have you ever heard of Out Cold by 2000, or from 2001? Nope. So Out Cold is a teen comedy movie by Brendan Malloy and Emmett Malloy. They haven't really made much else. This movie, Jarrett, stars the star of Mallrats, Heartthrob. Whoa. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. Now you're okay. Is Skype trying to take me out? No, you, you do things sometimes. I wasn't touching anything. Continue. Uh, out Cold uh, stars the star of Mallrats, Jason London. That's right. It also has pre-hangover, uh, pre Famous Zach Galifianakis, Victoria Silvstead, Playmate of the Year, David Kochner from all those Will Ferrell movies, and your close personal friend, Lee Majors. That's right. Uh, this is a movie that I have a strong connection with. Uh, we, uh, My brother and I used to rent this all the time. And I am happy to report that it is not just nostalgic uh, love for this movie. This movie is legitimately very good. And I'm saying that with confidence. I believe you would watch this and you would say it's okay, which 
in your view, is a legitimately good movie. So you have a small ski town community in Alaska, and you have a crew of misfits, Jason London, Zach Galifianakis, two, uh, two, three other guys. And it's all about their daily lives. Like they don't really want to work too hard. They all kind of have fun. They go out and they party and then they work the ski lift. And then big Lee majors comes in and he had, he's like, he's all about resorts and he's the big bankroll. So he goes in, buys out these little ski hills and turns them into big destination spots. So he comes in and uh, he buys it out and he's changing it into this big thing. This movie, Jared, I honestly think has some genuinely awesome comedy in it. There are some scenes that are so, so funny and still to this day, 17 years later. And it's not just because I'm nostalgic. Andrea had never seen this. And we were watching it. And she's like, this movie is actually, her quote, this is actually pretty good, end quote. And I was like, yeah, it is. I'm happy that it, it held up for so long. There's some goofy gags. There's some gross-out gags. Not very many. Uh, there's some body, like physical comedy. It's got it all, man. Out Cold is uh, almost a perfect movie. Almost. Almost. So you heard it here first. This is Creeps Approved. Uh, Jarrett and RJ both love this movie. Interesting. Very much. Hmm. Uh, no, this movie is this movie is awesome, man. Out Cold is awesome. Wicked. Does it inspire awe? It does at some scenes. Would you, would you even describe it as sublime? apropos of you to say uh it's got a buddy of yours from uh groundhog day and there's something about mary and uh kingpin yeah will you watch out cold this year mm, doubtful why not i've got a i've got a list i gotta hit you could watch this with chanel though and you could have quality uh mm, time with her that would probably be the worst person i could watch a, this type of comedy with she wouldn't like it i there that's like it's a tough sell man tough sell <clears throat> So some of the comedy, Jared. It's got to be. A, it's got to be a greasy strangler type deal for Chanel to be on board. Oh, okay. Yeah, she won't like this. This is very more. Uh, you just check in for the ride. Okay. There's a guy in this movie whose real name is Flex Alexander. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, I don't even know what to say. I think Out Cold is amazing, and I'm gonna stand by that. And I hope everyone who listens to this show. If you listen, if you want to take my advice at all, just watch Out Cold and just breathe it in, man. Take it all in. Okay. You too, Jared. Out Cold's awesome. I don't give a shit what anybody says. So that's it, baby. Wow. Did you watch anything or are you... Uh... Mm, yeah, I watched, I've been watching movies, RJ. I've been, what kind of movies? I'm trying to turn 2018 around from being this like low film count to really, you know... Save the ship. Mm. Did you see anything good, though? Mm, I watched exactly two very good films um, out of eight. Oof. Nine. Two out of nine Oof. were like movies where I was like, yeah. And then one's like, yeah. One's, eh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Mm. There's been some of those. So first Explain. up, first up, a little film, RJ, called Cat Sick Blues. 
So this is an Australian yeah. film, uh, very independent. Uh, I believe it was a Kickstarter film. And if one reads the synopsis, you might even say, hey, this might be up RJ's uh, lane, maybe, mm. potentially. But this movie is not up RJ's lane, not at all. Not is it the complete all. reverse? Uh, it, it, had, it has potential, but then it decides to be a little too transgressive. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, who is this for? Who am yeah. I? Who am I supposed to recommend this to? And like, I'm a guy like I like my maniacs. I like my Henry portrait of serial killers. Mm-hmm. I think those are really well crafted uh, films that I guess like a lot of people do find disturbing. Uh, sometimes I find them hilarious. Catsick Blues, though, I just found kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? Why? Why is this a good idea? So this movie starts off with a couple mm-hmm. of girls. They're like sitting around on a couch watching cat videos uh, on a couch. And they're like, oh, man, Esmelda, this white cat, it's not as funny as he used to be. Mm. And they're just hanging out. And then one of them goes outside because they hear like a like loud thumping weird cat sound. She's like, oh, I'm going to throw this like bucket of water at this cat. It'll be hilarious. So she goes upstairs to the roof Mm. and she looks over where she thinks there's a cat and she throws water. And then it wasn't a cat. It's a man wearing like a cat mask. And he mm. proceeds to decapitate her. And then he throws her head down the steps and proceeds mm-hmm. to murder the woman downstairs. And it's all like done in this sort of um, irreverent, ironic sort of film style where it's all like, it feels like that eagle versus shark movie. Like, but it's like horrifying violence all toward women. Because the, the gimmick of this movie is that this main character, this man dressing in, in a cat costume, his cat died. He's, and he's sad about his cat dying. And so he got into his mind. I'm on board that, with that. So, see, see. So <laughs> his gimmick, though, is that, like, well, he, he, he understands that if he uh, kills nine people, he'll bring his cat back to life. Okay. Um, so he proceeds to kill nine women. Um, mm-hmm. And Why so, women specifically? I, exactly. Why indeed? Um, okay. So there's like there's like a lot of like there's a progression of him like getting a it's very uh, like Dead Ringers ish at one point where he's talking to this like skeevy artist uh, who makes like claws for his costume as well as a barbed cat cock. Uh, a what? A barbed cat cock. I'm not uh, on board with this movie yeah. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's all these elements of this film that I'm like. This could work in the right hands, but this film, it just, it doesn't want to be anything worth watching. Uh, the B mm-hmm. story is that there's like the other, the cat, the, the internet celebrity cat, Esmelda, you get to meet her owner, who's just like this nothing of a character who just like is sad because her cat's kind of sick. And then one day, RJ, a retarded man comes along. Excuse me, could you repeat that? <laughs> a... Uh, differently abled man uh better com- meets comes along and uh gets into her apartment building invites himself into her house and mm-hmm. he has an episode and he's like holding the cat and she wants her cat back from him and he starts uh raging out and he breaks the cat's neck and throws it out a window um and then of course oh wait we just throw a little extra bonus on that he proceeds to rape the woman because he can't stop himself and uh, it, where did you find this movie? Like, why did you watch this? 
Uh, well, I didn't know that this is the territory it would be getting into. Uh, okay. I was watching it because it's like I've seen a few people like say this. These are like it was like some like 2015 like good horror movies you haven't seen. And there was a list where I'm like I legitimately haven't seen like any of these movies. And this one I've seen some people respond well to um, on the letterbox, and I was like, well. So I had like uh, acquired a copy at some point in the last couple of years, and I was like, I should get around to watching that. I didn't know I had never seen a trailer. I had only mm-hmm. seen like a poster, and I was like, cool. I watched it blind, and this is what I got. And uh, yeah, the the biggest one of the bigger problems with this film is that at no point do they like try to like create a character that you care about in any way, or like you should because mm-hmm. uh, for this horror film. This about like a serial killer who dresses like a cat. Other than like, oh, isn't this funny? Like this guy wears a cat costume. Isn't that messed up? And then he like horribly just like murders women. <laughs> it's like you gotta have a little bit more than that to hang your hat on. Otherwise, you're just like going into like gutter balls territory, ghoul cinema territory. Um, and yeah, man, I just kind of phased out on this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I just was like, enough, I'm, I'm done. So that's the type of movie this is for me to like go, I'm good. Um, so well, it sounds horrible, and I plan never to watch it. Yeah, no, pretty much. That would be a, a good call, RJ. A good yep. call. You know, you know, what movie's actually worse than Cat Sick Blues for like a different reason. Oh, what? That's a new horror Christmas film. All the creatures were stirring. Mm. So the only reason Oof. I watched this is because I was kind of wanting to know how bad it was going to be. This movie is directed yeah. by a podcaster, uh, this woman named Rebecca McKendry. She does this horror yeah. podcast that uh, you and I are both familiar with called Shockwaves. Mm-hmm. They are like kind of like one of the few podcasts out there that are doing horror, uh, it, it, and that's it. And they actually yeah. are in the industry. So once in a while, they have really good interviews, and they're at, they're at all these festivals, and they hear about all these movies. And every once in a while, you might hear about a movie that's good. Every once mm-hmm. in a while. But so her and her husband, uh, David, they made this film, this movie called All the Creatures Were Stirring. It's a horror anthology. It's like 70 minutes, 80 minutes long. And it's mm-hmm. terrible. Um, <laughs> it's very lifeless, uh, made mm-hmm. with like friends, like f- actor friends that are all living mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I am assuming. Um, it's so scattershot. It's just like as bad as like any straight to video kind of horror could possibly be. Um, I, I feel, I see that very few people are like really going out of their way to watch this. So I'm like, kind of like glad about that because, or maybe they're safe. They're, maybe they're saving it for Christmas. Um, and they're going to be like, Oh Jesus, this, this is not good <laughs> at all. This is, this is bad. Cause it's bad RJ. There's like one story out of the six in this. That's like kind of okay. And the rest, ugh. This was tough. I, I was just like marveling. Mm-hmm. Actually, the the biggest thing about it is it feels Canadian. Um, it, it, it's like explain. So I don't know. There's something about Canadian filmmaking that always feels like second rate, or actually even third mm-hmm. rate, in, in a way that Hollywood movies generally don't. Um, and that usually comes a lot down to um, uh, maybe like weak script writing like very average uh unspectacular acting um very flat cinematography just like a lack mm-hmm. of production mm-hmm. value which comes from like lack of having money and uh you would think that a movie is situated in Los Angeles would kind of proof it from that but no 
So I don't know. Uh, and I, I, my one of the last ones I'll talk about later is actually a Canadian film that's actually really well made. So um, I can't nef- necessarily well, use that as a uh, negative. But yeah, I was I, this thing felt real Canadian, if you will. All I know, Jared. Yeah, is that. A lot of people who are in the scene of some sort of movie making business or genre or something like that, they're very well versed and they know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't translate to being yeah. good at what you know. Like some people know something like amazing where it's like, I know this, I know that, I know this. And it's like, okay, we'll do it then. And it's like, I can't. So I imagine that's what it is. Uh, the thing with this, you you tried to get me to watch this fucking movie. You did it. When well, when I saw a uh, one-star review pop up on your letterbox, mm-hmm. I was just like, interesting. I will not watch this movie. Uh, and all I could think about is a movie that had an equal effect on me, which was the much talked about uh, horror anthology movie, Tales from Halloween, Mm. that was getting passed around all of these podcasts and all of these people in the entertainment business that are like, it's it's awesome. It's such a love letter. I guarantee you this is way worse than that. I guarantee you. I don't doubt you, but I just bring it up because it was brought up Everywhere I looked, horror podcasts, horror websites, like Letterboxd, everyone is, and it was just like four stars, four and a half stars. This thing's awesome. It's it's exactly what we all wanted in these movies. And then I watched it, and I was like, this is a gigantic fucking piece of shit. This movie sucks. And uh, the podcast that the director of All the Creatures Were Stirring, Rebecca McKendry, was on, that podcast, all the other people in that podcast were actors in that movie. And I was like, oh, that's why everyone is like so big on this thing. And I was like, well, these people suck then. If they're just going to like blindly promote what, like I get it. It's like, yeah, you're going to promote shit that you're a part of. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but that movie, these movies look like they suck. <laughs> and they clearly do. You watched one and I watched the other one and they both sucked. Yeah. Major. So, whatever that movie sounds like, it's horrible. Yeah, it's really not going to watch it's it. It's very poor. Uh, I watched Searching, RJ, as per your oh, suggestion yeah. last week. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I never suggested anything. I just uh, asked you, if you, that you, was allu- movie you alluded to. You re- I think it sounded like you really wanted me to watch it. So, I did. Well, good. I, uh, I just, and was I, it good? No. <laughs> I, I've seen some people really like positive on this, though. Like, I thought Unfriended Dark Web was a vastly superior film to searching as far as desktop films go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this is about Harold. Um, this movie opens up, RJ, with an up montage. Uh, this is like a thing oh, that like, yeah, it's one of those because that's where we're at now because up changed us all. It made us all cry, RJ. So we're going to do that. We're, we're going to do that, but in desktop form. Yeah, so you can see Harold and his wife and daughter. They're all like she's born, and they're so happy, and they're posting all these photos of her on their their Windows computer. 
And then like, oh, she's growing up. And then suddenly, oh no, my wife. Then you see her like, uh, like the computer, like show her like someone doing a, like a Google search for lympho- lymphonoma. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh like this movie, like That's I just like, good. there's stuff in it. I was just like laughing at when I'm like, oh, they're supposed to be making me feel right now, but mm-hmm. I'm a monster, RJ. I'm a monster. And, well, uh, yeah. so, and then eventually it's like, she dies. She was, she's dead right off the bat, the wife. And then it's like, now it's just mm-hmm. single dad and his daughter. And like, oh, but now they're on Apple computers. Now they're on MacBooks and uh, yes. on iPhones. And it's like the whole like setup of like, eventually she disappears and he's like looking for her and the police are involved. And then there's twists and then there's more twists. And then there's YouTube uh, versions of like news stories, live streams <laughs> that like are not very well executed like i that's like I've, I've said before i've harped on this point many times my biggest pet peeve in movies is when films mm-hmm. do news broadcasts and they don't nail the look to me it's like yeah we know what those look like why do you do such a bad job of it and there's just times where it's like so unnatural yeah. like expositiony thing and i get it because it's like the confines of doing a film that's like essentially a desktop film you have to be able yeah. to do this stuff and the movie like jumps around way more whereas like uh unfriended actually sticks pretty locked into uh one perspective um mm-hmm. and searching those jumps around quite a bit to like cheat the story out uh mm-hmm. yeah it's just like man it's it goes for such unearned sentimentality and i have seen seen people like i wasn't really into this movie but then i got to the end and i just lost it i just lost it I, have i talked about like my i have a problem with people on twitter talking about like crying have I ever talked about this? That like I'm I, I don't know if I'm the real oh. monster. How like I, I think I was like yeah. I don't know when something like Big Bird singing like a song after like somebody died, some like Muppeteer died, and like mm-hmm. people are oh, I lost it. I can't watch this. I'm, Is it when people go you're not or I'm not crying, you're crying? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, or like uh, or like when they make like they have to type out if they like some comedian writes something on Twitter, someone writes. You you literal bastard! I, I you owe me a new keyboard because they spit pop all over themselves because their comment was so funny. I fucking hate it so bad. I've like I've never like read anything mm. in my life and been like burst out laughing and then like felt I need to express that because I because it's not what people do. If people literally do something like that, they don't go. Oh, I better let that person know. So they're not. They're liars. Mm-hmm. And, Maybe you've never listened to this podcast. Well, no one's ever written in. Oh, you magnificent bastards! I <laughs> I died of listening. It's like no one tells. No one does. No one says that. No one that you know. No one that I know. I would never do it because I respect mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm not crying. You or you're crying. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was trying to remember. I think it was like. Uh, like it was like the anniversary of Jim Henson's death, and someone posted like Big Big Bird singing at the at, at, the, at the funeral, and people were just like the comments on stuff like that is just brutal. Uh, that's actually okay. Well, that should actually almost be a podcast idea for someone uh, more talented than than us. Is like going to like what do you mean? going to YouTube and like reading comments on like music videos because mm-hmm. whole shit. There's like it's that's a whole world in itself. Uh, Mega sixty four does stuff like that where it's a uh, like uh, video game message boards oh, and yeah, it's called yeah. um uh, something theater. It's like Flamelight Theater 
where they they like act out what people uh, say on these message boards. It's pretty good. It's pretty funny. So, so yeah, they they do the video game side of that, but uh, searching does not speak to my robot heart. That's I, too bad, man. I want I want anonymous people in black hoodies breaking into people's houses and like orchestrating their deaths, not uh, earnest like like taken like thrillers that are really mm-hmm. obvious. Like you, you, they're, everything's telegraphed a mile away. And, oh, this movie. Mm. Man, what a letdown. What a letdown. But you know what was not a letdown? Mm. Uh, what? Criterion alum Spike Lee and his mm. new film, Black Klansman. Okay, well, don't talk about too much because I plan to watch it one day. Uh, so, you, and you, when you, I say that, I just say, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's like, okay. hey, do you know what the premise of this movie is, RJ? What? It's about a black police officer in the 70s in Colorado who infiltrated the KKK. Crazy, right? Is this a true story? It is based on a true story. Okay. Uh, And the movie covers it and it takes some liberties and probably is not like the wire-esque expose that some people I think wanted from this film. Mm -hmm. It is like, it almost borders at times is like an action comedy you would you could, you could say but i don't know like i think that i think that seems to explain some people's problems with this film or like kind of like they're okay on it they're, they liked it okay but like, honestly at this point uh this would be the third best movie i've seen this year uh pretty hmm. easily um what can i say about this film that you're going to eventually see one day uh adam driver continues his like trip around working with every single major director ever um yep so he's got another one here he does yep so he's in this he's good uh the dude who's in this movie um robert something something i had no idea who he was and i just chalked it up to me like not knowing anything about contemporary actors like you'll mention so and such so and so woman and i'll be like who are you talking about and then so I was like, I wonder who this guy is. And I'm like, oh, this guy's completely like a new actor to the world. He was like an extra in Malcolm X. And then he's had some hmm. recent work, but this was like his first like big leading role. And he's who? like 33 years old, uh, the lead guy in Black Klansman. Uh, mm, okay. up right now. John David Washington? Yeah. Okay. That's the ticket. So yeah, he's cool. good, fine performance in this. Um, so anyway, yeah, this is a movie about a guy uh, who is the first black police officer in the what is it colorado springs police department and yeah i've uh, been there yeah and so it follows this trajectory of going undercover um he mm-hmm. starts dating a woman that's kind of in the black power movement and then he gets this idea of he's like well if we're going to infiltrate like the black panthers and do that we might as well do it to like the ku klux klan <laughs> i think they're mm-hmm. more dangerous to my way of life and mm-hmm. so it sets up that whole situation of how that goes about. Uh, Adam Driver obviously becomes the face of that, um, mm-hmm. while um, our, our our man uh, is on the phone dealing with this stuff. Topher Grace shows up, uh, playing mm-hmm. David Duke. <laughs> Neat, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, you, we get some like, uh, like pretty, I guess you call it, like hilarious 
presentations of like Klansmen in the sense that they're just mm-hmm. being presented as like rabid white supremacist racists. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like, how else can you view these people and their worldviews? They're insane. Uh, you can't take it seriously, but at the same time, they're dangerous and they mean what mm-hmm. they say. So it's like, it's been a while since I've seen a film that actually presented like the KKK or the organization as they call themselves um, in like a serious light. But at the same time, it's like hilarious. Like it's just a ridiculous statements and like the performances are like, sometimes you could almost say border on like uh like a stereotype or parody, but at the same time, it's like, this is the stereotype. These guys do talk like this. Like you go on message boards and like mm. watch these interviews and documentaries on this stuff. Like I have over the years is it's like one of these groups that I've always found fascinating because I just do not understand how you can arrive at this worldview. Um, and like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I, I guess there's like the element of this film that I've seen kind of brought up uh, a few times on Letterbox is referencing, calling it propaganda. And it's like, oh no, Spike Lee's being, po- being political. That's crazy. Cause there's yeah. like, there's certain lines that are like, it's like, yeah, you know, also take, takes is like guys like David Duke to back a, a guy who will become president one day. And uh, he'll oh. expose these views. And it's like, you almost feel like the characters are going to turn to the camera and stare at you. And, and, and there's you like were comments on board about, with this? Uh, well, no, because it's like I'd, I'd read about it prior. And I kind of knew that they were there. But there's not, there's only like two bits in the movie where it's kind of like mm-hmm. this like, yeah, we got to make America first. And yeah, you know, these guys are just going to talk about making America great again. <laughs> and you're like, oh. uh-huh. Yeah, uh, we all know where that's going. Um, and then, yeah, then it hits this uh, the, this coda uh, at the end of the film uh, where it uses actual footage from Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just turned out that the very day I was watching this movie was the day that uh, that, that scumbag loser uh, who drove his car into that woman, into that crowd of people, he was found guilty of first-degree murder. And, uh, yeah, I watched this movie. It's a, mm. a pure coincidence. And I was like, oh, and that really hit me. And I was like, man, that was a really uh, interesting, good movie. Because uh, Spike Lee is the only guy who really deals with this stuff still after all these years. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say this is like, I mean, probably his best movie since Inside Man. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, no, I, th- I think this movie is really good. And I think people should definitely uh, find time to check it out. Big if true. Yeah, I liked it. It sounds good. Um, and then, RJ, I followed this mm-hmm. movie up with another film by a, a black director. Uh, Sorry to Bother You. A what? Sorry to Bother You. Are you familiar with this film? Yes, I'm aware. Before yeah. you mention it, mm-hmm. I'm aware that this movie had big waves. People were real hot on this thing. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but it seemed real over the top for me. Just based on the preview. So I'll let you talk about whatever you want, but that was my borderline first I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing about it other than Mm -hmm. uh, one, like over the last few months, it seems like a lot of people were watching it. And I was like, what is this movie with this like really uninteresting cover? Um, And I I didn't know who the director was. I was like, Mm -hmm. Boots Riley, who the hell is that? Don't know. Then I was looking it up. I'm like, oh, it's this like rap guy from like the yep. coup and he's like 47 years old and it's his first movie. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Um, actually the reason I, uh, I was thinking about watching this movie, uh, for a while. And then, uh, when I was reading about black Klansmen, I did see that boots Riley had some words to say about black Klansmen because it's like 
pro cop or something like that and it's oh, like ah, well, something like that so i was like hmm let's let's do a compare and contrast let's see uh mm-hmm. what this boots guy's got to offer uh so this film definitely feels like a throwback um to like 15 years ago when office satires were all the craze it's like mm. boots riley feels like a mike judge fan he liked office space yeah. and he liked idiocracy and he really likes Michelle Gondry. So it's like this window of time from like 99 to 2003 where he was like watching like this really amazing period of movies. And then like 15 years later, he's like, I can make it. I want to make a movie just like that. And he basically does. But it also feels 15 years too late. Right. Um. What would I say about this movie? It's like there's nothing too crazy. But okay, that's not true. There's some pretty wacky things things that happen in the movie but like i can't i won't even i don't dare even speak about them because they're probably the the most enjoyable part of the movie doesn't come Mm -hmm. till that stuff happens and you're just like okay what the fuck but okay i'm down with that this is ridiculous um but yeah i don't know so it's about a guy uh who gets a job working at a call center telemarketing and mm-hmm. uh, there's some talk about unionizing and stuff like that. There's like the visual gags of how when you call into somebody, he appears in the house where the person's like receiving the call. But it's just like absurdism. It, it's not literal. It's nothing super stylized. People have overstated how weird or hard to follow this film is. It's pretty mm-hmm. straightforward. It's just like, a, I don't know, at times it almost like, mm, I said this too much. I don't know. It's just like a quirky comedy. Right. With some like really heavy handed political stuff that like, it's not even that heavy hand. I mean, it's heavy handed how it's handled, but it's not like the message is particularly deep. It's pretty surface level. Yeah. Um, corporations are evil. Boom. <laughs> Remember that Okja movie, that Netflix movie with Till Swinton about the pig? Oh, Okja? Okja, whatever it's called. Yeah. Okja, o- you chud. That's how... Uh, that's that's what this movie feels like, I think, and yeah. I haven't seen that movie yet. Um, but people are gonna, you can just tell though, right? Yeah, it's that type of thing. It's like this yeah. is either going to be your thing or not. Uh, how do you like your satire? Do you like it thick? Do you like mm-hmm. it thin? This movie lays it on pretty thick. I don't know. You wouldn't be missing out watching this. Uh, whenever it pops up on Netflix, you could watch it. Um, I don't plan to. Yeah, I mean, other than like. The one bit, and I can tell. I'll t- I can tell you about it later. Um, sure. There, it's like I wasn't expecting it because there's no setup for it whatsoever, and it's just like okay. And then that's like the highlight of the movie for me. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Boots. I think Spike's still the the better man <laughs> here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I can't comment. But yep. just looking at it, uh, it's like I said. I was always like, this seems too much it seems like a little a little too much on the one side you know it's just a, i'll maybe watch yeah. it one day well both movies feature gags about use your white voice yeah you know one one does it in like a realistic way and then one does it where they overdub david cross and Patton oswald so oh. <laughs> Yeah. Of course it's them, mm-hmm. like David Cross and Patton Oswalt. Of course it is. Of course. Uh, I checked out this movie called Thoroughbreds that came out oh, yeah, late I've last year, but it seems like most people were watching it this year. And I've seen some people uh, think really, really highly of it, like really highly. People usually don't like yep. anything. They love this movie. I watched it, and I thought it was okay. 
That's a pretty high praise from you. Nah, is it though? It, it's not. It's not. It's like um, I've seen it before. Yeah. It's, it's like oh, it's two girls who are scheming to kill somebody, and they're rich and privileged. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what the movie is. Um, I, I when I was watching this, I kept thinking. Is this what Nocturnal Animals is like? That movie that no one talks about anymore. Uh, do, you, do you remember? Did I ever mention on the show when we watched yes. five minutes of that movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, you did. Good. Uh, no, I just saw. I think someone I followed just logged it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that movie. It's part of that mm-hmm. list of movies that no one talks about anymore." Yep. There's a lot. Manchester by the Sea. Hey, I still like Manchester by the Sea. Are you going to watch it again? I would. Yeah, I would. Okay. Well, clock's a ticking. Well, I'm not gonna watch it this year, but like in another <laughs> year or two, I might watch it again. Yeah, when uh, Casey Affleck's star has risen, when he's out of the uh, out of the shit house, as they say. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Thoroughbreds. It, it's basically exactly okay. what I said. I I don't know. It, it might even make you angry, RJ. It's got off-camera alluded to animal violence. Well, that's just unnecessary, Jerry. And well, I would it's, say it's actually it's just the lazy. entire it's the entire crux it's the entire entire serious plot point of the movie. Well, I'm not gonna watch it at all then. Sounds okay. like a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, it's lazy filmmaking. It's dumb. It's, Bad people do it's, that. It's, it's almost like, but it's like saying that animal violence doesn't happen in the world. Oh, it definitely happens in the world, but when you use it as a plot point in a movie, it's uh, it's silly. A, but it's a character point. It's an, actually a thing. Sure, sure. And you're going to say, uh, what was that Clint Howard movie, Evil Speak? You're going to say that was a character point too, won't you? Uh, that would be exploitation. Mm. Mm. Shitty, lazy filmmaking and all of those people suck. <laughs> if you make a movie with that, I don't like you. What if they were played by two different horses? Would the horses remember Liam Neeson? <laughs> they might. Okay. So, RJ... Uh... The other movie I watched, uh, mm-hmm. this this movie has got all the buzz and is like mm-hmm. r- people are real serious, hard about first reformed. Oh, by our buddy. E- yeah, our buddy, our good the affliction. personal friend. Yeah, well, the star of Mad About You, starring Ethan Hawke, directed by Paul Schrader, Paul, Paul Reiser. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul Reiser himself uh, directing mm-hmm. First Reformed, A twenty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, RJ? Uh, this movie's stupid, and everyone uh. loves it, and I don't understand why. I don't get it. Um, I try to explain this movie. If I talk about this movie out loud, maybe maybe it'll become clear. Yeah, I maybe it's. About, maybe, I don't even know what this movie is so about. Maybe, maybe it, exactly. I didn't know. What, I didn't even know this was movie was real. And then I was asking you about it, and you were like, "Hey, everyone's saying it's really good." And I was like, "Okay." And then finally, I was like, "Well, it's on these best of lists. I guess I should mm-hmm. knock it out of the park and get it done." And I did, and I went, "Oh." That's what this is, huh? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Paul Schrader, as I've mentioned at some other point, I think probably yeah. talking about uh, Robert Bresson movies and Carl Theodore Dreyer, something like that. He's a he's a fan of those uh, transcendental filmmakers. Meditation. Yeah, transcendental mm-hmm. meditation too. Um, so this movie is like an ode to uh, Bresson's Diary of a uh, Country Priest and uh, Ingmar Bergman's Winter Light. Uh, basically he took those two movies cause this dude's got some real hangups about church and organized religion, uh, going way back, being raised a Calvinist in wherever there was in the Midwest. Ugh, Calvinists. So, yeah. So he makes this movie here about Ethan Hawke works as a pastor at like a 
Dutch Reformed Church in mm-hmm. wherever it is. Uh, maybe it's Colorado too. I don't recall. Oh, no. Miss- Mich- Michigan? Colorado. No, maybe Michigan. Same difference. Okay. Um, so this year, film, RJ, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's running this church. It's dwindling uh, crowds. It's just like a tourist trap kind of thing where they sell plates and junk. Um, and his health's going downhill. He's pissing blood. His stomach's giving him the pains. And he's, just, he's wanting to ignore it, you know? Pathos. Amanda Siegfried shows up, and she wants him to talk to her husband because he was an environmentalist up in Canada in the Northwest Territories, don't you know? In Mackenzie River. Oh, and, don't uh, you know? Yeah. And uh, way up there. And uh, he was he did some jail time. Now he's back in the States, and uh, he can't find work. He's, like, got a shitty beard. But all over his office, RJ, he's got printouts about climate change and the environment. And uh, his wife's pregnant, and he's got some apprehension about bringing a child into this horrible world. And it's not like any other time in history, he says, because it's like by 2050, life could be really fucked up in a way that it's never been fucked up before. So Ethan Hawke's job is, you know, as the pastor, he's got to kind of talk him off this cliff he's on. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, okay, this is like every Oscar bait movie for the last like 20 years that I've watched where I'm like, okay, so it's, is he going to go like Chris Benoit and like kill his wife and pregnant Whoa. child, kill himself? Is this, is this where this is going? Is it going to be that movie? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, this is going to be, Chris sp- Benoit. yeah, this is going to be a spoiler town folks. Cause I'm just, I'm laying it out on this movie. Um, so what winds up happening is, oh no, he just kills himself. Okay. Big whoop. Okay. But, but but the reason why he kills himself is because uh, in these conversations they're having, these like supposedly deep conversations about like living in a world and like having hope that like life will continue on even in the face mm-hmm. of environmental uncertainty. Um, oh, at some point, Amanda's like, hey, I was in the garage and I found this. And inside a box in the garage is a suicide vest. <laughs> And uh, so, okay. yeah, so uh, Ethan Hawke takes the suicide vest away. So uh, the, the, the guy doesn't use it. The guy, I guess, went into his garage, saw that it was gone and decided, oh, oh. So he leaves the, leaves the pastor a note and shoots himself in the head. And uh, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I guess he's dead now. Well, don't tell anybody about this. It'll, it'll really hurt the environmentalist cause, which I, I do uh, have some beliefs in and feel strongly that we should be uh, doing more for the environment. <laughs> but then, like, he, like, starts ramping up <laughs> as, like, his health deteriorates. And he's, like, starting – he's gotten woke now, RJ. And yeah. uh, one thing leads to another. And sure enough – uh, he like finds out that like one of the big benefactors of the uh, uh, of the church of like the mega church that's in town and they're like the little one that it's like the 250th anniversary of the church. He's this like industrialist who's like big oil and big energy, <laughs> and he's an and he's and he's an asshole. Of course, he's an asshole. Um, and it's like and the guy who's playing him too. He's like always assholes in movies. So you're like, okay, everything's telegraphed in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan Hawke starts like developing sort of this like relationship with Amanda Siegfried. There's there's a sequence RJ that's just like so ridiculously bad. Like I couldn't even believe that anyone was like giving this movie a serious thought when I was <laughs> seeing this crap. Um, and then like sure enough, he's like 
I'm going to strap this suicide vest to me and I'm going to blow up the congregation with the rich guy to make a point. It's <laughs> <And laughs> like, where this movie's going? And then he, so wait, why do people like this movie? I don't know. Like when I talk about this movie out loud, it's so shitty. Like, but uh, maybe some people are blown mm. away by, it, but I'm like, I don't think it's that well told. It's like pretty drawn out. Um, but maybe people were willing that Paul Schrader is going to make one last great movie and this is it or something like that because I don't see it. People have this like thing about A24 movies. Uh, I think this is actually mm-hmm. one of their, this I think is like one of their weakest years like uh, yet. Um, and they're just coasting yeah. on that. People are like, I don't know, man. I think this movie is like pretty lousy. Uh, and I think like also the over, the, how much people like this movie is made me like it less because I'm a contrarian, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. You and, got that one thing that I have. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this movie is very, at best, average. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get it. I, I it's, it's like, if, if you read this, it, it feels like one of those shitty, like, Oprah Winfrey book prize choices, like, mm-hmm. from like a decade ago. It's like, if you read the back of it, people are like, oh, that sounds really good. That's what this movie is. Jarrett? Yeah. I hear a lot of people say this movie is really good. What you described sounds like a really bad movie. <laughs> I'm going to watch it yeah. in the next three months. Great. And I'll tell you whether it's good or not, but okay. it sounds really shitty. It, it, it's it's so heavy-handed, and like I don't yeah. know, maybe because I don't have the Christ in me, I'm, like, I'm even more indifferent to it. Well, so then I would be the deciding factor then. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I don't know. It did we'll not see. wow me. Uh, mm. But a movie that I thought was really good, uh, Canadian film from Nova Scotia. <gasps> don't you know? Werewolf. Mm, what's uh, Werewolf about? Well, RJ, I saw that you put this on your watch list, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know if RJ would be super crazy about this movie, because RJ, well, it's about mm. recovering heroin addicts, and they're on methadone, and this movie is about miserableness. This is like what Canadian filmmaking does best in the world, and that's just depict the miserableness of existence. Um, it's very well made. Uh, mm-hmm. The actors all like are very convincing, uh, and just like the guy pulls every trick that every scumbag you've ever met uh, pulls yeah. out. Uh, he's got his 19-year-old girlfriend that he's helped drag down into this horrible life of substance abuse and like going around with a lawnmower, mowing people's lawns mm. to get some money, living in a trailer in the woods, um, mooching off of people, do just, just being pieces of shit. But, uh, <laughs> unlike a film such as Sid and Nancy, uh, this movie is like, I don't know. It, 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 I really enjoyed watching this movie, but I wanted it to end because I was like, Oh God, like it's just like, it's so hard to watch. Cause it's just like, these, I want this cause you want the girl, like you want her to get away and like yeah. have like a better life. And like, even like fucking work at her dairy queen job, you know, just like that's, that's a leg up from like living in a trailer and like fucking pushing a lawnmower and having weird confrontations with strangers who like don't have mm-hmm. time at all for clearly drug addicts. Um, Oh man, this movie was like very cringy, but really good. 
Mm. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I, it's been a year since I watched some, uh, new Canadian cinema stuff. And, uh, this is, I think of all the stuff that I've watched the last year and a half, I guess, this is like the, the I'd say the best of all the movies mm. I've watched. Um, I, I think it has like a little, had a little bit of a, of a theatrical screening down in the States and like the festival circuits and it seemed like other people also responded well to it, which is good. Cause sometimes it seems like, uh. Uh, the uh, American equivalent of quality film will come along. People will be like, oh, this is like uh, great, <laughs> like first reformed. Yeah. But then like a Canadian version comes up, they go, oh, this was just clearly doesn't have the strong uh, voice of a confident director. Whereas I haven't seen a lot of people say that about Werewolf. So that's good. Mm. I'm glad to see that. I was going to say something real quippy and funny. Can't remember. It's getting long, though. Long in the tooth year. Yeah. Canadian New Wave making a comeback, huh? Yeah, I got to find out what's been made in the last year worth watching, mm-hmm. though. Uh, last film I watched, Satan Slaves. This, this here's a movie that, uh, again, shockwaves, not, not doing us well here. A uh, bunch of their dudes there were talking about how great this is. It's like one of the, it's going to be their top 10 for horror films. Um and man, you, last week I talked about Hereditary, right? That was just like a week ago. And I was yep. like, I have no idea what I think about that movie. That movie at least is like interesting. Satan Slaves mm-hmm. is like Hereditary without anything interesting at all. It mm. is the boilerplate, something's going on in the family, spookiness, possession, demon stuff. And it's just like, well, is this like uh, Indonesian conjuring? Basically. Mm. I just, yeah, I, this was like a slog for me. Nothing, nothing it does for spook show stuff was effective. It feels like a template of, uh, these types of movies. I I don't get it. I don't know why people get excited about mediocrity. I don't, I just don't, I'm tired. I'm tired, RJ. As always, people say the same about our podcast. That's fine. They can have their own podcast and talk about podcasts too. Well, I'm just still reeling from this Paul Schrader news. Hey, RJ. What's up? Got any news for us? Mandy disqualified from the Oscars, quote, which is heartbreaking for Johan Johansson fans, to which I reply, who gives a shit? Uh, the Oscars suck, so I don't know why anyone cares. <laughs> um, I, I still haven't seen Mandy. I have no opinion yeah, of the well, movie, yeah, you'll but be, you'll uh, be... I just think... You'll that watch that at the same is... time as uh, Black Klansman and uh, mm. First Reformed. So like in eight, four, eight to ten years? Yeah. The big news is apparently there is a movie that was made that's coming out soon called Captive State with John Goodman. And it start, it's about aliens. And I don't know why this flew over my radar. Under even. No, over. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I think that sounds cool. But... Uh, I don't know who gives a shit about the Oscars. The Oscars suck. Yeah, they don't. How many alien movies have been nominated by them? Hmm? Not nearly enough. That's true enough. Not nearly enough. Maybe like I don't know, Close Encounters, ZT. That's it. If they were even nominated. I feel like I was nominated. <laughs> Do you have any news? Nah. Good. All right then. Good. After the break. We're going to sleep with musicians. Which kind? Pianists. Gross. Well, I love you, babe. I love you, stop. You walk the ball, drop me walk. I love you. 
Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking Milos Forman, the one and only. And first up is Loves of a Blonde from 1965, and the synopsis of the film from the letterboxed. Angela, an innocent Czech girl from a factory town, is desperately in search of love. She believes she's found it when she beds uh, Milda. Milda, come on, a come charming on. young musician visiting from Prague. Milda, however, is only looking for a casual encounter and leaves town assuming he'll never see Angela again. But when Angela doesn't hear from him, she packs up and heads to Prague to surprise Milda and his parents. That's this movie in a nutshell. Um, so, Lazo Blonde, <laughs> I actually watched for the very first time not that long ago, like two, three years ago. Um, I've always been a big fan of that Milos Forman. How do you feel about Milos, RJ? Well, Big Mimos, director of one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. Man on the Moon. Yeah. One of your favorite movies ever, Amadeus. Mm-hmm. One He's flew done. over a cuckoo's nest. Ooh, People baby. versus Larry Flint. Hair. Goya's Ghost. Ooh, Goya's Ghost, that Javier Bardem film. Yeah. What about Hair? Did you not watch, like, Hair? I've never seen Hair. It's got Beverly D'Angelo in it. I haven't seen Hair. I haven't seen Valmont. Uh, I've heard, mm. I've, I've also heard actually good things about taking off, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I like this guy. I like this Milos and that <laughs> yeah, was I one like of Milos. the, yeah. So that was like, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to watch, uh, Loves of a Blonde, Fireman's Ball. They're Criterion, they're Milos, never seen him before. And I want to see his roots, you know, see where he came from. Ooh. <laughs> Sticky. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this movie, uh, I... I think I really like this movie. I say think because... What do you mean think? I think I like this movie quite a bit. Um, so this is us tale. Uh, it is just 
exactly what it is. It, it feels like so. This is part of like what you call the Czech New Wave because every country was having a new wave at some point. Uh, and around this period of time, you had this explosion of uh, like the, the way Czech it would have worked. The, the Czech New Wave. Well, because it's okay. kind of a weird thing where you have this borderline of like Soviet Union and they want Czech. But Czech doesn't want Soviet Union, and so they, they so the, the, yes. there's this, there's this line of like you know their country being seized back. If you remember from uh, unbearable lightness of being, <laughs> your whole description there was like, what's that guy that Yermov Smirnov guy, like that stand Russian stand-up guy is like in Soviet Union road forks you. That's what everything you're just talking about. That's what it sounded like. Okay, <laughs> good. As intended. Um, So watching this movie, uh, it's interesting watching this guy who's like obviously a pretty free-spirited person, uh, an intellectual person who also wants to deal with like real people, uh, which is like plays out like once he uh, comes to America and starts making American movies um, coming from uh, a place where they are kind of like they want to tell you what you got to do. And how to act. And so his movies, all to various degrees, kind of are send-ups of that authoritarian streak, um, and which was also seen in Fireman's Ball. Because uh, basically the start of this movie, it's about hooking up dudes with girls. Um, because there's way less men than there are women in all these small places. And so we got to like basically do meetups because the internet hasn't come along. Uh, there's no Craigslist. There's no, uh, what are other, what are, what are things people use to hook up with RJ? I'm old. Grinder, <laughs> Grinder, Tinder, Tinder, Bumble, uh, sex, yeah. the app. Uh, I think there's one that's, um, plenty of called, fish <laughs> called stank. That's for real greasy hookups. Jesus. Or uh, beef. <laughs> beef. Uh, what, what do they have on beef, RJ? Buddy, if you got to ask, you're not ready. I'm not ready. I'm far from ready. Uh, you're yeah. not ready. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this movie has that setup of like all these women who have to work, who work at a factory, because that's what you do in like fucking Eastern Europe, <laughs> uh, in Czechoslovakia, is you work in a factory until you get married and have kids. And that's your life. Uh, so maybe there's more to that than that, hopefully for some, mm. but not in this film, unfortunately. So you get a kind of a, a grim presentation of, uh, options, uh, which are like, you know, that's always one of my favorite presentations of reality. One that's real. Uh, so poor Angela, her and her friends, they're at this party, uh, with all these soldiers, mm-hmm. these old leering dudes who are also like some of them are married and some of them are like, just like, Oh man, this is a great opportunity. These women are hard up for it and we're here to offer it out. But they're like pudgy and middle-aged and like, well, they got some money, I guess. But they're like, Oh, let's get that ball of wine. Oh, that's pretty expensive though. It's like, they're cheap. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. and like these girls are like, Oh God, they're looking at me like, Oh Jesus, they're going to come and talk to me. So you get all this like awkward human awkwardness. At the yeah. at the party, uh, guy's got to hide his wedding ring. Wedding ring falls off, rolls away, and him crawling under tables. And these women are like, "Uh," and they start like pulling their skirts down, and are just like everyone. Everyone's just like classic. Nobody wants to have anything to do with anything that's here, uh, mm-hmm. other than when Angela kind of looks over at the uh, the piano player uh, with the band at this uh, shindig, and she's kind of like, "Oh, he's cute. Like he's not 
35 years old. And, uh, you know, this guy, he's like, he probably goes, you know, you get the sense that he goes town to town. This is no big deal for him. He always gets mm-hmm. his pick of the litter and uh, has his way and then uh, has his fun and goes on his merry way. So that's pretty well the first 45, 50 minutes of Loves of a Blonde is the sort of like the setup of like the, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the ruling class, the administration setting up this thing mm-hmm. and like they're being very proud of their accomplishment. And then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, they all go back to work. Um, and she has a boyfriend guy that she's seeing who's a real chud, as RJ would say. This He's true. Yeah, very like... Uh, one of those guys that uh, likes to take some liberties with his women and uh, they have a particular role and he's like, where's my ring woman? Where is it? And he's just pushing her around, getting aggressive, real, mm-hmm. real dirt bag. And then, so she's like, I had enough of this, this factory job sucks. I, I've got a, I've got a rock star musician and he, he said that we should <laughs> hang out sometime. I know where he, he lives in Prague. We're going to go do that. Mm-hmm. And she leaves. And then you get to the next part of the story, uh, which is, is what entirely in the apartment? <laughs> like the movie only has mm-hmm. like about four settings. Um, yeah, it's and not then, very long either. No, it's not. Um, and so the next part of this is, uh, yeah, she goes to uh, Milda's parents' house where he mm-hmm. lives and he's a scum bucket banging broads on the side. He's like True. making more money than his dad. Uh, I'll just say now that his dad, I love that guy. That guy is like so I got to stop you. Yep. The dad is the best part of this whole movie. He's in it for about 15 minutes, you know, maybe 20. He's in a bit quite, he's in like that whole bottom yeah. half. He's, yeah. He's so real. He's so good. He's awesome. He's so cool. Yeah. Continue. He's like got to be like one of the most level headed people in the mm-hmm. collection. <laughs> like he's so, uh, every, like he's like, so like he's not part of the drama. Like he's resisting the, yeah. uh, the, the melodrama and the drama. He's like, he doesn't want to be a part of it, but he's just constantly just like, Oh God, oh boy. You can't, you gotta be nice to people. Like he's just like a real person. Yeah. Uh, and then on the flip side, his wife, uh, Milda's mother, she's like, uh, I guess you would call it, like in my mind, she's like, she is like the year, like the Eastern European mother and like mm-hmm. judgy and like, like just insane. Um, so I think, a quote that perfectly sums her up because uh, she is just like classic old European uh, mother. Uh, but when they're like with the sun comes into the bed and they're kind of hanging out or they're trying to go to sleep and the sun's like, I'm sorry, mom. And he's like, I'll do the dishes for you tomorrow. And she's just like, I can't wait. And uh, I don't speak Czechoslovakian. <laughs> so I was reading the subtitles and you can just feel the sarcasm in the subtitles Mm -hmm. and it just, it like breathes through the screen. And I was like, I was like, what a, what a nice little, what a nice thing, like to evoke that response in someone watching this. It's like, you, you get what she means. So, uh, that lady does a very good job too, as well. So, uh, I loved the parents in this thing. I thought they were awesome. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. And it's like, so this, like you have this poor girl who's now like in the city who has a suitcase with like Mm -hmm. all her worldly possessions. Who's like come in with like, Oh, it's all going to work out. And it's like, no, it's not going to work out. <laughs> and it's like, oh man. Uh, and it's just like interactions. Like this whole movie, it's like two scenes, really. It's that party yep. and it's the apartment scene. And it's all about just like human awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's like, again, my bread and butter. This is what I live for in movies. 
mm-hmm. uh, and like seeing that captured well is like a really important thing because uh, the movie doesn't like it's like a kind of a dreary kind of film um, mm-hmm. but it's also real and it doesn't like it's not like depressing but it's kind of like yep that's kind of life uh, and not everyone's lucky and things don't like it's what exactly what it is it's not spectacular it's not special it just is what it is mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's like kind of like so watching this movie again, I've heard a lot of the same experiences the first time, uh, where it's just like, it checks so many boxes for me. Uh, yeah. I, I love the looseness of the cinematography. It kind of evokes that French new wave feel. Cause it's like handheld black and white, uh, very close up. Um, but it's not particularly like experimental. Like it pretty well is exactly it t- it, everything is there to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say that maybe is like a little draggy, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, no, on the whole, though, I, I think this movie is uh, pretty excellent and definitely points to uh, uh, better things for uh, Milos uh, when when he makes that jump. Mm-hmm. What did What did you think of Lozo Blonde? I didn't watch this one. Oh, just skipped it. Yep, I just skipped this week. Uh, no, I uh, I know you were calling these this new check wave. But uh, I would call this the new, uh, the Czech new rape wave cinema, because these movies uh, both have a lot of uh, pretty aggressive males in them, <laughs> which is like whatever. I don't. It's a product of the time. I, I'm not gonna get mad at it. Well, but, uh, I don't know if you've you, talked. To, have you have you talked to many women who've traveled to Europe in general? Oh, so you're saying this is a current thing? I, I don't think. Well, I don't know. It's I'm is not it, sure if this is an exaggeration, but it seems like. Uh, Men have there, there's this like famous uh and it's an Italian thing particularly but it's like there's this oh, famous yes. like Italian photograph of like this woman walking down the street and it's fucking creepy like there's like because it's a horde of men all like zoning in on this woman and it's like ugh like it's so weird because like people probably look at this photo and go oh isn't that charming and it's like that's terrifying like mm-hmm. if you're that woman that's really uncomfortable there there's a reason why feminism exists <laughs> and uh th- th- yeah. it's, it's shit like this that like uh drives that home and that's what kind of like this yeah. film feels uh effortlessly feminist like it mm-hmm. doesn't say that it doesn't say like oh this is all good fun games it's like no this is gross and you shouldn't treat people like this ever and but we'll get to that as we get to Fireman's Ball as well. Yeah. As, as but, it's just sweaty middle-aged men. That's mm, that is the world we'll get these there. films present. Yeah, uh, and, we'll get and there. And hair and we'll talk about this, but hairstyles. Hey, you know what I? So I like this movie. Yeah. You know why I like this movie? Because hmm. it shows real ass fucking people. Everyone in this movie, it's just like, look at this guy. Look at this totally like uninteresting not unique man at all. And this is like the lead of this movie. And like uh, the the three guys that are the uh, army dudes, yep. you look at them and they're, they're like features. You're like, these are unpleasant men to look at. And they're like the leads of this movie. And I love it because it's just like kind of real people. Not that it's unpleasant, just, you know, by Hollywood standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not super symmetrical and just uh, very pretty. No, we're not uh, all, we all can't be Baylogs, you know. Hey, I keep it real. I am what you would call the perfect. I'll leave it at that. Thick cut. The perfect. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I liked Loves of a Blonde. I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, I'm not like, as always, it's not a blow your dick off movie. It's not Ninja Scroll, 
But uh, I thought this was pretty good. Um, what I mostly liked, I think that this movie has a lot of really nice quiet moments, which I've said before on this podcast about other movies, but I think it holds true to this. Uh, it also has real life awkwardness, real life people. And I thought you would like this because this is a this is just sad bastard cinema. Both of these movies, I feel like, are sad bastard cinema. But oh, yeah. this one, this one, and uh, this one that we're talking about now, uh, there's so many like things in this that it's just it's like sad. But you're like, you know, it's sad because this is just kind of the real world, mm-hmm. and this is how people are. Uh, but that's why it's that's why I think it's so effective because it's like that old saying you know it's like oh it's funny because it's true and it's like well it's sad because it's true too it's just what people are like uh so i i think one thing that milos foreman is probably not recognized for is his his humor uh these two movies but uh we're talking about loves of the blonde uh loves of a blonde which is a hard title to say by the way loves of a blonde maybe it's better in its native tongue I, I assume so, but uh, I find that difficult to uh, get out. Anyways, this movie has uh, really good, subtle humor that I think is effective today, where when we talk about some comedies that are dated, I think the comedy in this is kind of timeless. Yeah, so, and that's like, yeah. I think because it doesn't feel like super, it's, it's not like an, an obvious strain, because I think, like, the thing I was talking about, like, it's a very, it has a natural quality to it, yep. so, like, the humor yep. isn't contrived in the way that, like, when you watch certain types of comedies, you're like, oh, my God, that type of humor is completely aged, like, mm-hmm. poorly, and then this, though, it's like, oh, this, it's the situation of the comedy, and it's not like a sitcom sort it's... of comedy, but it's like, hey, this is, like, how people interact, like, really, yep. and it's like, that's always going to be funny, because mm-hmm. no matter, like, what era you're going to live in, you're always going to like, it's always going to be a funny situation or something's going to be, there's some humor to be derived from it. It's kind of like a physical comedy that we've talked about a lot on the show too, where it is timeless for a reason where I think a lot of this comedy is for me very effective now and timeless because like you said, it's situational. It's not, the dialogue doesn't matter, which I think a lot of current comedy, that's where, that's where even a couple years later, that's why it's so dated because the dialogue is just like, I'm on fleek, baby. This shit is wild. And, and it's like people talking about stuff that's very current lingo. And it's like that doesn't last. But this movie, it's all situational. So uh, the one big example that I can think of that is like a very awkward, uncomfortable moment. But it's funny in in that sense is when uh, the real pervy dudes send the bottle of wine to the wrong, uh, like to the girls, to the table of blondes, and it goes to the wrong table, yeah. and it and like you see the reaction of those girls, and like you feel so good for them because they're like happy and they're like, whoa, we never expected this, and then it cuts back to the guys and they're like wiping their heads and they're covering <laughs> their eyes and they're just like, oh no, and it's like, don't look, don't look, nobody look. It's like, holy shit, we made a horrible mistake, uh, and it's it's stuff like that where it's really it makes you kind of uncomfortable because you yeah. feel bad for mm-hmm. what's going on. But at the same time, it's like, that's, it's funny. That's like the point. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that, that I think is really one really well done in this movie. Uh, all the stuff with the males in this, I think is pretty funny where 
I think I, I marked it. It's eight minutes in when the military guys are talking about what's going to happen when these guys roll into town. And uh, he's like, there's going to be 200 males coming in. There is 16 females or 16 <laughs> girls. And he's like, girls without boyfriends. And there's like an <laughs> emphasis put on that. Yeah. And it's so funny watching this like real old wrinkly dude saying that. And you're just like. With that with, with that big old buzz cut of his and his big yeah. ears. Yeah. The, the factory manager or whatever yeah so like that's really funny and it's kind of i i like what you said where it's this movie's kind of uh it's it's feminist in its message but in a lot of the delivery it does come off it's just like where you're like ooh, fuck it would suck to be these ladies look how aggressive these men's are but it's these men's <laughs> these men are but it's for a reason and uh I think they do a really good job at balancing it where you have some aggressive points where like the piano, the pianist basically full on like throws this lady down. You're like, Ooh, it's kind of, Oh weird. yeah. His, his like whole like thing. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, his like, uh, his way of like romancing her is just like, Ooh, we, we, but, uh, uh, in the industry, we call that working through the no working through the no. Yeah. You would know. I don't, uh, yeah, that seems gross, but, um, I think it's particularly gross because the scene with the army guys before is like kind of charming and funny mm-hmm. where uh, they're like, let's take this bottle. Let's get out of here. And the girls are like, oh, we don't know if we want to go. Uh, we don't really have anywhere to go. And it's like, well, we'll just go to the woods or something. <laughs> and then you have the like the straight guy who's married and he's just like, he's like, I don't want to hang out with these girls. I don't want to go to the woods. <laughs> and uh, the one guy's like, there. yeah, he's like, it's cold in the woods. He's like, why would anyone go to the woods? Because uh, he's like, he always plays it straight. And then it cuts to the other guy who's like really trying. And he's like, people just say, let's go to the woods. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. He's like, people just say that, you know, let's go to the woods. That's not what we're going to do. We're just going to find a spot outside. And the guy like looks at him. He's like, you mean like the woods? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what are you talking about? Uh, so I, I thought that scene was really funny. And, that that's like the like you said the first half of this movie is all those guys at this yep. party yeah uh, and I really like that and then um and then you go to the dad and the mom and they're awesome yeah uh, I think the best scene in this movie is when the dad is rolling around in, in the, the bed, bed in the middle and of the fight. Can't I, get the I love the, his description of like laying because it's like so they, they have literally two beds pushed together so there yep. there is like a crevice in the middle mm-hmm. and this is how they live. And, uh, you know, they don't have queen size beds, I guess. And uh, so, because no fucking way is my son sleeping out there with that hussy who's rolled mm-hmm. into town, who's like going to get knocked up and I want to have to raise her goddamn babies. Uh, mm-hmm. So, nope, my son's going to sleep in the same bed tonight as me and dad. And there's the scene with like dad in the middle of this fucking bed in the crowd. He's like, <laughs> it feels like I'm like laying, I'm, I'm like sitting on the, was it sitting on the edge of two chairs? And just like, he's like, I'm like, oh yeah, that would suck so bad. Like, <laughs> I've been in that situation. Yeah, before. I think I went all... to a lot of sleepovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure you did too. As kids, you go to a lot of sleepovers, and you get put in these situations, and you just it sucks. But yeah, <laughs> he, it, everything he does, he's like rolling around. He's like, I can't get comfortable. He's like, I don't have any covers. And like the mom and the son are just yelling at each other, and the dad's just like so removed from it. He's like, just go to bed. Oh, there's like, he's like, give me some blankets. Let me go to sleep. When they're like sitting at the. Uh, 
kitchen table and there's like the mom is just like, oh, I just want to ask you a question. I just want to ask you a question to get Angela into the Perfect. room and just starts grilling her hard the way that this woman would do. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, what do you expect? Like, like, who are you? Like, how do we even know what you were saying? This isn't ridiculous. My son wouldn't be like that. And it's like the bargaining and the talking out loud. Mm-hmm. It's like your your father or my, my husband and I, we just simply couldn't have you here. Correct. Right, husband? And he was like, what? She came all the way here. Like, we can't just turn her out into the street. She can stay mm-hmm. the night. Oh, you're an idiot. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, she's just like, of course, because that's, that's, course. How, that's how that conversation goes. Um, yep. But like, yeah, he's just like, you know, he's kind of like, oh, your son's an idiot. Like, he, he's just, he's a scumbag. Like, of course, he, mm-hmm. there's a reason why she's here. She she didn't just randomly show up at her door. Like, like yeah. clear, clearly there's a reason. Like, so he's like pure, like, reasonable, reasonableness and like also kindness. Mm-hmm. But like, he's not like, this, he's not ridiculously like, nice he's like probably as nice as like you could expect a person to be in this weird situation yeah and, and like he's sympathetic and kind of like oh whatever like what well, she stays in the night she <laughs> eats some food whatever not a big deal oh no i mean I, I didn't make enough food oh god ah yeah 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 the parents are awesome and uh just that whole play with them and the son in the bedroom which is like a 10 minute scene almost oh, yeah it's, well, it's awesome it's wicked yeah and then all the stuff with like uh yet yet uh angela's uh getting to like Re, like obs- react her reactions so, to like the way that they talk about her because like yeah. when he, when uh when uh, Milda rolls in after a night out and he's mm-hmm. like what the fuck is this there's this blonde hair and this like girl's foot sticking out of the covers who the hell is this woman like which, are you sure it's not a cousin <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. what are you talking about like his dad again hilarious um and he just is completely at a loss and then it's like oh it's you oh great oh, I, of course I was expecting you I just I didn't have time to write <laughs> um yeah and then but yeah. then like her reactions you always get to see her face reacting to mm-hmm. stuff or like her going up to the door and hearing them talking about her and her just being like, I have to go back now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh man. Well, see, that's what I meant earlier when I said those nice quiet moments when it cuts to her and she's like sitting by the door listening through the keyhole. It's just like, it's just a, a shot of her and she's just listening by the door. And it's like, man, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. It's a nice little scene there. You know what movie came to mind uh, watching this? And I kind of thought about this movie when we watched this uh, months ago. Billy Liar. And I don't know if it's oh, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's just something about like, the, again, it's like, but it's like you have a guy who is, he's the, he's the Milda. He's, he's the bad dude. He's the, mm-hmm. he's, he's the cad. Um, it's this black and white, sad bastard kind of listless movie about trying to escape. And mm-hmm. um, that it feels like a companion piece, but I think this movie is like far more successful. I I think as a uh, enjoyable movie to watch. Whereas I think Billy Liar is like an interesting idea, but at the same time, it's kind of like I don't know if it has the that wow factor. Mm. Again, like always, that's what people say about this podcast. True. Yeah. No. Uh, I don't know. I, loves of loves of a blonde. That's tough to say. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, it's a good show. I like it. Uh, again, didn't blow the dick off or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I violent. <laughs> well, it's a mainstay on the podcast. I'm just trying to stay consistent. Yeah. One so thing it, people don't like more than anything it's, it's is your catch, it's your catchphrase. Is that my catchphrase? I think so. There's so many to pick from: yeah. butts, dumps, blowing dicks off, dump truck. <laughs> Dump truck full of semen, yeah. blasting through a uterus. Speaking of blowing balls off, how about yep. them firemen's balls? Nice 
transition, my friend. That was a good job you did just there. Milos Forman, The Fireman's mm-hmm. Ball, 1967. Tagline for this film, a colorful comedy in which people dance, steal, and extinguish the fire. And the uh, synopsis of the film, the firemen of a provincial Czechoslovakian town throw a ball in honor of the old chief's retirement. There will be music and dancing, a beauty pageant, and a raffle. The whole town will be in attendance. However, the proceedings are dogged by difficulty at every step. Workplace injuries, stolen prizes, a shortage of pretty girls, and fire. Uh, so again, like Love is a Blonde, uh, I had watched Fireman's Ball a few years ago. I watched them mm-hmm. fairly close to one another. Uh, again, Milos Forman, he's my dude. Uh, and this is the one that I think actually most people seem to like hold up as like his first like great big success. Um, Over Loves of a Blonde? Yeah. And you know what? Okay. I've always, f- I, I, don't, I disagree. Uh, I think Loves of a Blonde is like a really great kind of like uh, melancholic kind of view of uh this like it's a simple story that i think people could relate to in the sense that it's like character driven um Mm -hmm. fireman's ball is far more of like a slapstick fiasco kind of a movie we have this like huge ensemble cast uh in which actually a ton of the cast members from Lozovo Blonde show up again here. So it's like yes. all like, I'm not sure like I didn't do a ton of reading on this or anything like that, but I get the sense that these are like, just like people His available, dudes. like Czechoslovakian actors that are on hand. Like, I'm not sure how many, mm-hmm. how big the scene was in Czechoslovakia. I'm sure they actually had like a film community, um, but like yeah. he's drawing on the same people, probably a lot of friends and stuff like that. People he's known, he had built up a relationship previously two years prior. And so you see dad, you see the guy from the factory, uh, mom shows up again. Uh, a lot of people just like are here once more. Uh, and this is like the one that this film is far more of like, uh, kind of like I was talking about, like kind of like the satire of kind of like that, like oppressive, like military kind of Russian th- mindset that the Czechoslovakian people are fearing uh, is coming in. Cause they're going to tell you how to dictate how your life's going to be and how to organize things. And it's like mm-hmm. making fun of the idea of like these men group, like rooms filled with men in uniform 
planning anything. The idea of like a five five year plans and like learning like how to run a country. They don't even know how to plan a goddamn retirement party for a guy. That's kind of what the, that's like the. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it would be tough. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, the kernel of this movie is like kind of like making fun of that idea. That's like the political thing, but like you, or you can just enjoy this movie as like a series of ridiculous events that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, again, this movie has a similar kind of structure as Loves of a Blonde, uh, whereas this basically though is just like one huge sequence. Uh, mm-hmm. It is literally the fireman's ball. Uh, book ended with a couple of, like with an opening of the like the hall before everyone shows up. Uh, mm-hmm. Some planning because they're v- these men are all very focused on having a beauty pageant. Um, that that seems to be mm-hmm. a major factor, as well as like prizing for the raffle and stuff like that. Someone stealing stuff. Uh, signs have to be made using lit torches and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But everyone doesn't know if they're coming or going. Um, this movie is like even shorter than Loves of a Blonde. It's like seventy minutes or something like that. Seven. It's an hour and ten. Yeah, it's it's very short. Yeah, it's very quick viewing. Um, mm-hmm. o- always a, a choice, pleasure, a, a pleasure for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you have to watch two movies in a week. Uh, when you're trying to watch all this other stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think this movie's like fine. It's good. It's enjoyable. It's it's a rompy type of thing. Um. But I mean, again, like I found like there's like way more to like kind of get excited about and like with Les of a Blonde. Fireman's mm-hmm. Ball, it just it's, it's like a comedy. Um, and as we've talked about before, comedy is tough to like talk about. Uh, and, and especially if it's like not necessarily your cup of tea for mm-hmm. humor. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, you're watching it. You're watching people being funny, but it's like you're not laughing. Uh, you might get a smirk here or there and go, oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Instead of like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. So it's always like a trade-off. But I think there's things in this movie to like. Um, let's see here. The, again, the, the, the again, there's those interactions that you get. Once you get, like, I think probably the most interesting part of this one for me is the behind-doors sequence with the the firemen and the mm-hmm. picking up the beauty pageant woman and get that whole thing and like the whole process of choosing that stuff it's just like uh and like because like they're oh we have to be trying to be very respectful we're going to be very like we're going to do this nice and neat it's very like it's always sunny mm-hmm. in philadelphia we're, we're going to be we're going to leave it classy you know it's gonna be classy yeah we don't want it to be anything other than that and then the title card kicks yeah, in yeah yeah exactly that, yeah. that's kind of like that whole that's probably the successful winning uh formula for like why that scene plays out the way it does uh and then of course when it comes to actually doing the pageantry it completely falls apart uh people are running around chasing after Mm -hmm. one another hijinks ensue uh a man's house burns down (laughs) uh uh, his little axe that he's supposed to receive because he like has cancer but they're not supposed to know he has cancer but uh they don't want him to know that and maybe they should have done this earlier but they want to be like good guys and save face uh that thing gets stolen and you, it's constantly just like probably the, the ongoing sadness joke of this is the poor old the poor old chief's like kind of like blank expression to everything mm-hmm. and he's like his his weird little like walk that he's proud little mm-hmm. retirement walk as he tries to get toward the stage and stuff like that um well things are just constantly going ape shit and all over the place uh, but yeah I, I like this movie 
Uh, I think it, I mean, it sets out to do what it does. I think it's okay. But uh, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, coming off Loves of a Blonde, which I think is like uh, very successful and like quite a enjoyable movie, it's kind of like there for me. But RJ, yeah. what did you think of this ball? Well, Jarrett, I'm sad to say that uh, I agree with you. Oh. I think Loves of a Blonde is a better movie. And uh, I think Fireman's Ball is okay. Uh, I actually really like movies like this where it's kind of you have like one setting and then there's all sorts of obstacles to get to where you want to be and it's very humorous and it's very comical uh i actually like some examples like that where do you where do you think i'm I'm gonna hit you on okay nice oh examples yeah uh yeah i can't think of anything like that but i do like (laughs) the idea okay Uh, i actually even when i when i had that thought I was like, I wonder what examples of that would be. And then I was like, oh, wait, I can't think of any. But I like the idea. Uh, And I actually, so I was actually super on board with this until, and I thought it was like really fun and really humorous until about when the pageant starts, when they start doing the beauty pageant stuff. And then I was like, hmm. It's losing me now. So before that, you have like all, it's all the setup basically. So where it lost me was when the ball starts, which is only maybe twenty five minutes into this movie, maybe not even that much. Yeah. Twenty minutes in, uh, I really like the setup where it's all about like the raffle prizes and the guy's like, "Hey, he's like, wait a minute, where the hell did the head cheese go?" <laughs> and he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "There was head cheese right there. Where did it go?" And uh, like. There's a setup there and you have like the office style jokes where there's things going on where all of the firefighters are trying to use the extinguisher. I thought that was really funny. Uh, and then you have the bit where they're talking about the head cheese. And it's like there wasn't head cheese. There was cake. And it's like, no, it was head cheese. And it's like, no, it was cake. And it was like, oh, OK, well, where's the cake? It's like and then it cuts back and it's almost like a double take. And the guy's like super surprised by that. And he's like, Oh, uh, that's a weird shitty description of what happens, but, uh, that seems very funny. Uh, and then there's a lot of stuff that I think is super funny. Like, um, before when they're like, we're going to have a beauty pageant. We got to pick out like eight or 10 girls for this. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we got to get a, we got to get a better look at these girls. Yeah. So they go up to the balcony and they're like, up here, you can see all the breasts. Uh, and then, yeah. So they're up there looking at breasts, and then there's one fireman on the ground, like looking at legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was pretty funny too. And it's like, well, we can't, we got to look at that. Oh no, we got to look at their faces. Yeah, we got we got to look at their faces too. Uh, and then, so this is again like loves of a, of a blonde. This is a very sad bastard cinema uh, film, I think, for me, where you get pretty bummed out when it's all of these old firemen guys and they're in the back room and they're trying to like judge these women on beauty and they're like, go grab another one. And then they bring in another one. Yeah. Like, go grab another one. Go. And then they're like, who? Anyone, any, any, any girl out there, just go grab them. And you get like, I don't know about you, but I just felt real bummed out by that where it was like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which is the point. Yeah. But at the same time I was like, Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, and, and their faces—all these, all their faces—are always so sad in this because they know what's going on, and they're just like, oh, "This again." Oh, oh. Uh, but yeah, so I, I like it all until about like that part when they're judging the women, and then I thought 
for a 70 minute movie, it shouldn't drag. Mm. And I thought at those parts, it was dragging out quite a bit where it was like, all right, okay. And like, I know that's like, those are the comedy bits where they're trying to time, like do timing and pacing where they gives it room to breathe. Uh, but that's where it kind of lost me. Um, things that I thought were still like really funny where there's a lot of like quick, quick stuff where it's like, you'll, it'll be like, Hey, go do this. And then the guy will go do it. And then something will go wrong. Uh, and that happens frequently throughout the whole film. Uh, and I like that. I think that's pretty good. I think they do it pretty efficiently mm-hmm. it's pretty effective where a lot of those jokes were like we were saying with loves of the blonde it's it's not like dialogue based so it's just kind of it's like dudes doing double takes it's like hey where's the head cheese and they're like what head cheese and then the guy will double take and be like whoa uh again that sounds super stupid but uh, it is actually kind of funny in this movie so that's like the whole movie is just little really quick snappy little jokes yeah. and i like that uh you have rushes of like a rush of fleeing women where women are getting dragged across like full floors and running into bathrooms that's pretty crazy you get a rush of waiters trying to close tabs before uh people bolt out of there and then you have uh again a, a nice real quiet moment where everyone's watching this old man's house burn down and they're all sharing a drink with each other and you're like oh how nice is that? But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's Fireman's Ball is a little weird because it's a good movie. I liked watching it. But at the same time, it's like I didn't really take much out of this. I'm not going to watch it again. And uh, it's not that good, which is a weird thing to say. Like, I don't really know what that means, but it's a good show. But it's it ain't great or nothing like that. So, okay. There's like a fun, fun fact. So I don't know if you recall RJ from Unbearable Lightness of Being, but so Soviet Union, they roll up on this movie uh, the next year when they, you know, invade uh, Czechoslovakia and then they uh, permanently uh, and forever ban this film. (laughs) Why is that? Because uh, they view it as an attack on the Soviet regime. Like that's like when I, when I was talking about that, I, I wasn't kidding. <laughs> like that, that, oh. that, like that stuff is like Milos Forman at the time denied it because you know that was the right thing to say. But uh, now that that's not an issue, he's like, oh yeah, no, hundred percent, that's what we were doing. Him and his writer, mm-hmm. uh, Ivan Passer. Uh, yeah, so like, yeah, so Loves a Blonde that was a big success when it came out, um, and then uh, they got to work on this movie, um, kind of like again, the slice of life kind of Eastern European thing uh, with these parables to the Soviet system as uh, Roger Ebert writes in his best movies or great movies list where he calls this the great movie. Uh, Francois Truffaut uh, apparently was instrumental in getting this film released at all uh, outside of Europe. So Mm. that Truffaut is sneaking up on us. Truffaut, that dirty prick. Son of a bitch. Hey, I was just looking at the cover to this Fireman's Ball. And I honestly didn't know what it was. I thought it was like a pig's foot wrapped oh. in like a bandage. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> oh, and you then didn't like, know? <laughs> well, I just zoomed it up. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It's uh, it's the pageant scene with the bikini. So, But uh, at a, like far back, it looks like a pig's foot or something. Yeah, or maybe I'm just dumb. It, it, it I don't know. It is kind of a weird abstracted image. Like I think at one point yeah. I thought it was like a fireman's helmet when I first would see this. 
But yeah, uh, yeah no. So speaking of which, uh, the the DVDs of this these two films, which I actually do mm-hmm. have, uh, the first one is basically just a like kind of a stylized reproduction of the one uh, still of Angela sitting on the bed, uh, mm-hmm. on the bed after uh, Milda has bedded her. Uh, and that, that, that moment of innocence, I guess, uh, after it's happened. And then uh, Fireman's Ball on the flip side is pure sleaze with uh, the girl uh, with her uh, dress over her head, uh, breasts exposed with leering bureaucrat man patting his sweaty forehead as he looks on at her. And it's all at a canted angle and it's uh, bright red with a big yellow star on top. Everything you said was gross. Good. Even though you're just describing a thing, but so like you you feel me right when when you look at it at a glance in the letterboxed view when it's real small, you're kind of like what is that? <laughs> what is that thing? And then when when you see it, you're like oh okay I get it. But yeah. it did look like a pig's foot kind of oh. for a while. You ever been there? Mm, can't say as I have. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. There's like that that element of Fireman's Ball is gone. That like mm-hmm. social context of like what would have been there when it came out. Um and so it's like, yeah, it's kind of there. Whereas I think uh like I said, Lozo Blonde I think just operates still well without any real context, even though mm-hmm. they're kind of doing the same thing, same actors, same director, all that stuff, but it's just uh better captured a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. No. But hey, RJ. I agree. What? Who who hates these movies? Probably a few people. Uh, let's see here. For Love of a Blonde, half a star from Gabe Godoy. Godoy. How do you say horrible in Czech? Is that it? That's it. Okay, Gabe sucks. Uh, he likes a good movie called The Elephant Man. And uh, he likes another good movie called Pulp Fiction, but that's very obvious. He also likes a movie called The Princess Bride in his favorite movies, which I feel is a little a little too on the nose. Uh, he just watched a movie you watched, Searching, and gave it three and a half stars. A lot of people give that movie three and a half stars. He also gave a movie, which is totally undeserving, Robin Hood Men in Tights. He gave a half a star, which I feel is outrageous to say the very least uh, a lot of five-star movies that i actually agree with except huh. for fight club yeah <laughs> except for fight club matt thomas two stars too abst- abstract for me and not enough socio-political commentary <laughs> what seriously yep Oof. Uh, Matt Thomas's favorite movies are Hero with uh, Jet Li, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. Those are, uh, I've never seen Random. Hero, but Nightcrawler is good. Uh, Intact by from 2001 from Juan Carlos Fresnan, Fresnadillo. Exactly. Don't know what that is. And then Hellraiser Bloodline from 96. <sighs> That seems bizarre. I don't know. So this person's totally untrust. Like you can't trust this person because yeah. they have very weird things. They also gave five stars to Twelve Monkeys, Empire of the Sun. Uh, well, well letter, Letterbox just crashed. That's good. Um, Baby Driver. Ooh. 
arrival five stars. Mm. So that's all you got to know. No. Yeah. All right. Um, for Fireman's Ball, we got one star here from Tom Morton. Did Milos Foreman really hate firemen or something? They're going to need some new extinguishers to deal with all these sick burns. Seriously, mm. seriously though, this was absolutely terrible. Oh, good for them. Good for him. He gave Man on the Moon five stars. Yeah. Uh, their best of right now are just Christmas movies. Uh, they have a lot of five-star movies that I agree with, but they have five-star movies like Cleo, from five to seven, which has been very popular lately on our uh, Who Hates uh, category. That's, that is so weird. <laughs> that is very weird. Uh, no, this page is all good. St. Vincent with Bill Murray. That's not a five-star movie. It's okay, but that's not five stars. Mm. Hellraiser again. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I got to stop everything. I didn't bring it up before because I actually liked that movie and it wasn't a big deal. But a person who hated... Uh, loves of a blonde gave this movie five stars and now this person this tom morton also gave this movie five stars adam's family values both of these people (laughs) gave it five stars which i like that movie i think adam's family that raul raul uh adam's family movies those movies rule but it's very bizarre that it's popping up on all of these people's they say what they want to say like uh, do, do, what they, do what they want to do. family. <laughs> great, no, great, do it. A, a great, do it. a great rap, a great rap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, move. Yeah. I mean, maybe Fireman's Ball would be improved if it had a rap. Um, finally, Bob Boddingham, two stars. Of course, I love when people note the format they watched it in the body of the review. Thirty-five <laughs> Much as the firemen in the film are totally unprepared for their ball, it feels as if the writers went into production with only a basic outline of what was going to happen in this movie. This picture really slogged along for me, which is remarkable as it only has a 70-minute runtime. The film has funny scenes and ideas, but uh, in between is just so much unnecessary padding and repetition. I believe this film could be a lot more appealing to others, but comedy is often just a tough genre for me to enjoy. The majority of the film involves a group of old men gazing, objectifying, and practically preying upon young women for laughs. That left me a bit disgusted after a while. Uh, the film has decent jokes and situations in its final act, but there are still uh, there still felt like a comedic timing issue, which could perhaps be blamed on the language barrier. Some pretty nice staging and cinematography, though, and I did enjoy quite a few of the performances. Sounds better than a two-star movie to me. But. Yeah, that's Bob Bob Boddingham. Bob Boddingham. This one's a little bit of a weird duck. Uh, big horror guy. His favorite movies are something called Monster Dog, which has an awesome poster, but I don't know if that's an RJ pick. Yeah, they, I think they, you're going to have they to probably, watch that for they me. They probably kill dogs every five minutes. Yeah, you're going to have to watch that and clear it for me. I've, got, uh, I've already got a copy acquired, RJ. Good. Watch it. Uh, Demons, Tenebrae, and House on Haunted Hill. Uh, they don't have many five-star movies, but they're actually pretty good. Like uh, Sunset Boulevard, Night of the Living Dead, Twin Peaks, Videodrome, Yojimbo, no- Notorious, things that we watch. Uh, so here is where we I lose Bob Boddingham, where he's a weird duck. Some of his low reviews. One and a half star, Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Whoa. Uh, rope. 
which we were talking about earlier, uh-huh. uh, were the Planet of the Apes, Patterson. Those are both fine movies. They're not one and a half stars. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Planet of the Apes. War of the Planet oh, of the Apes. Yeah. Uh, and then 400 Blows, one and a half star, which uh, I don't like that movie that much, but uh, I wouldn't give it a one and a half star. That's a little... <laughs> That's a little there, but they did just give Deep Blue Sea four stars, which is, which is okay by me. Very Bob well. Bodyman's a weird dude. <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah, aren't we all? So yeah, uh, in this double header, uh, I give it to Los of a Blonde. If, if that's mm-hmm. if that's how we're supposed to play this, sure. Um, but yeah, they're both. If you like that Milos Forman, check it out. I could check you out permanently i didn't mean that but uh that was better than what i was thinking yes i see i write you better than you write yourself good i hope you do after the break rj invites me back uh to his house but his parents are there it's all very awkward and i feel very used i don't Is that different it. from a normal day but then i burn the house down and i feel better um, so rj in light of these films um do you have uh, any travel plans to visit uh, glorious czechoslovakia and the factory countryside you know part of my heritage is actually czech and i have wanted to visit prague Prague. That's long. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I would maybe go there. It sounds like a cool place. You might have to like be googled by old men in uniform again. It's no, it's no different. Yeah, I was gonna say that's no different from here. That's true. So, no big deal. Mm-hmm. You can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com and I don't know, get googled by us. We've got a Ooh. Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. You can check out his watch list and see recommendations like butt crack. Um, we've got a uh, Instagram. Yeah, we got Instagram. we got YouTube. we got a Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. Next hmm. week, RJ, Spine 146. That's so close to 150. Mikhail Kalatozov. The Cranes Are Flying from 1957. God, that doesn't sound like a real movie. <laughs> it, it, Come on. Do, it, it does have a uh, the flower the, the flower that drank the moon vibe to it, but uh, I've, no, I've, I've, heard, I've, I've, I've heard from some that this is a very good movie. So we're going to find out one way or another, I guess. All I can say is, come on, be real for once. Okay.
I have the DVD. It better be good. And I didn't even pay $2 for it. The DVD. Sure. No. Sure. Sure, pal. I do. <gasps> well, good night. God bless. Bless up? Hail Is Satan. That Whoa. Dude, what are you talking about? Praise be to the Dark Lord. Are you talking about V? Are we still recording? Not now. <laughs>